Stray Dogs by Ms. Alex W.P. Chapter 1, Dog Days Padfoot, Padfoot, what about this one? Harry bounced breathlessly on the balls of his feet as he pointed to a fluffy brown and white puppy with floppy ears that looked just as excited to see Harry as the little boy was to see him. The puppy ran in small circles as the shelter volunteer reached inside the crate to scoop the puppy into her arms. Would you like to hold him? she asked, glancing up at Sirius to check that this was okay. Sirius nodded and she placed the happy puppy into Harry's waiting arms. He struggled to hold on to it through its excited squirming and giggled when the puppy started licking his face. Look Padfoot, he already loves me. Harry said. Can we keep him? Harry had been asking for a dog for months, so when their local animal shelter announced that its annual dog days of summer adoption event would be a few weekends after Harry's seventh birthday, Sirius took it as a sign to finally get one. Harry asked. How many more days, so often in the weeks leading up to it, that Sirius made him a countdown calendar and stuck it to the fridge so Harry could cross off the days until the adoption event. Actually, the shelter volunteer said. This puppy has a twin that he was rescued with and very tightly bonded to, so we're asking that whoever adopts him makes regular visits to the family that's adopting his brother, at least for the first few months. The other family just agreed to it a few minutes ago. They're filling out the adoption paperwork now. Sirius looked at the puppy, which had settled down and snuggled into Harry's arms. Harry had his eyes closed and his face pressed into the puppy's fluffy fur. Sirius didn't seem to have a choice in the matter, did he? Sure, we can do that, Sirius said. Great, the volunteer said. I'll introduce you to the other family. Actually, they're coming over now. Sirius turned around, following the shelter volunteer's gaze, and felt a funny little swooping sensation in his stomach. Because walking next to a little boy clutching another brown and white puppy was the handsomest man Sirius had ever seen. He was tall and golden, with honey-colored curls and eyes to match. He had one large hand on his son's shoulder and was looking at Sirius with a mischievous half-smile. I hear we'll be co-parenting, the man said, offering the large hand for Sirius to shake. Sirius took it and felt a little ripple of something surge up his arm at the touch of his skin. Remus Lupin. It's nice to meet you. Sirius Black, Sirius replied, unable to tear his eyes away from Remus's face as the volunteer walked away. The pleasure is absolutely all mine. Is that right? Remus asked, raising an eyebrow, but not letting go of Sirius's hand. His smile widened, revealing a slightly crooked incisor that made Sirius's heart beat a little faster. And how do you know that? Know what? Sirius asked. Remus's hand felt firm and warm in his, his palm dry and his thick fingers slightly calloused. Sirius looked down at Remus's other hand. No wedding ring. That some of the pleasure isn't mine. Remus replied. Sirius felt a delighted grin bloom across his face and finally dropped Remus's hand but not their eye contact. Oh, this is going to be fun, he thought. I suppose I don't know, Sirius conceded. But I think I'd like to find out. Yes, I'm sure you would. 
The two men continued to look at each other as though they had never encountered anything quite like the other before until the little boy next to Remus spoke. Daddy, he asked, eyeing Harry carefully. If our puppies are brothers, does that make us brothers now, too? Remus's eyes lingered on Sirius a second longer, then he squatted so he was at eye level with Teddy. Well, if that wasn't the sexiest, most adorable thing Sirius had ever seen. No, it doesn't work like that, Teddy, Remus said gently, and a mixture of disappointment and relief passed over the boy's face. Sirius, this is my son, Teddy, and our as yet unnamed puppy, Remus said, not looking up at Sirius, but looking fondly between his son and the dog, who was wriggling a little in Teddy's arms. It's nice to meet you, Teddy, Sirius said, bending over and offering a hand to shake. Teddy took it and swelled with importance. This is my godson, Harry, and our also as yet unnamed puppy. This time, it was Harry who was confidently stepping forward to shake Teddy's hand, then Remus's. It's wonderful to meet you both, Harry said. I look forward to playdates with you. Remus glanced up at Sirius with an amused expression. Clever, Remus said. You have no idea, Sirius laughed. Remus turned back to Harry. Thank you, Remus said sincerely. We look forward to playdates with you, too. Hey, don't forget about me, Sirius said, and Remus just laughed and shook his head. I've known you for thirty seconds, and I already know that forgetting about you would be impossible, Remus replied, standing up so that he and Sirius were face to face once more. He reached into his back pocket, pulled out his phone, opened a new contact form, and handed the phone to Sirius. For those play dates, Remus said. Right, Sirius replied, adding his number and contact name into the phone and handing it back. Remus looked down at it, then threw his head back and laughed. Sirius unforgettable, black, Remus read out loud from his phone. You better live up to this. I've had no complaints, Sirius said. I've been told I'm quite memorable. That I believe, Remus said. All right, then. Where do you live? Remus. At least take me to dinner before you start inviting yourself over. My virtue is very important to me. Yes, I can tell that just by looking at you, Remus replied. Actually, Casanova, I'm trying to figure out where the closest dog park is between both of our houses. Too bad, Sirius said. I've been looking to rid myself of my virtue for a while now. I thought you said it was very important to you. And it is, Sirius said, placing a hand over his heart as though deeply offended. I need to give it to the right person. Mum, Remus said, looking him up and down. Something tells me you found many right people, Sirius. You wound me, Remus, Sirius said. Fine, I'll tell you where we live. They talked for a few more minutes, discovered they lived in the same neighborhood, and agreed to meet the next morning at a dog park that was just five minutes from both of their houses. I'll bring coffee, Sirius said. How do you take it? Black, Remus replied, and Sirius smirked at him. Don't say it, Remus warned, unable to stop himself from grinning back as he ushered Teddy out of the animal shelter and into the car park. I'll see you tomorrow. 
Celia signed the adoption papers and soon they were on their way, too. He buckled Harry into the car, and slid the puppy crate in next to him, buckling that in, too, just in case. He saw Remus and Teddy a few cars over doing the same. Sirius pointed them out to Harry. I need to talk to Remus and Teddy one more time, Sirius told him. I'll be right over there, and I'll leave the car door open, so you can call me if you need me. Okay, Padfoot, Harry giggled, not sparing a glance for his godfather. Instead, he was busy sticking his hand into the crate and getting licked by the puppy. Sirius approached Remus's car just as he was buckling Teddy into the back seat. From behind, Sirius spotted the small crescent moon tattoo on the side of Remus's neck, just behind his ear. Fuck, he's hot. Remus turned around and Sirius had to consciously tell himself to close his mouth. Hi, there, Remus said, looking him up and down questioningly. Trying to pawn your virtue off on me again. Sirius laughed and looked down at his feet for a moment, feeling something he didn't normally feel, nervous. Remus was just, disarming. I thought you left a while ago. Sirius asked. Teddy wanted to feed some of the farm animals, Remus said, gesturing at the rescued horses and goats in the paddock behind him. Ah, uh, Sirius said. Not going home with any chickens, then? No, but it's not for lack of Teddy trying, Remus replied. I don't reckon myself much of a farmer, though. He looked at Sirius expectantly. Did you need something? he asked. Actually, Sirius said, looking into Remus's face. Up close and in the sunlight, he was even handsomer. His whole being seemed to emanate a golden glow, like he was made of a little bit of sunshine himself. It made Sirius want to touch his skin and hair and find out if it is as warm as it looked. I was hoping to take you to dinner. No dogs or kids. Oh, Sirius, Remus said, tilting his head and looking at him sweetly, if a little sadly. I would really like to but, maybe just as friends. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you straight? Sirius asked, suddenly embarrassed. How could he have read this so wrong? Do you think that's the only reason a man would turn you down? Remus laughed. Usually, Sirius admitted. And sometimes not even then. Well, sorry to break your streak, but I'm actually seeing someone, Remus said. Oh. That was a surprise. I didn't mean to lead you on before, Remus said, and he truly looked sorry. But you're really fun to flirt with, and I, I didn't think you meant anything by it. I'm fun to do all kinds of things with, Remus, Sirius said, and Remus blushed in spite of himself, his cheeks coloring prettily underneath his sandy freckles. But why wouldn't I have meant anything by it? Well, Remus said, looking a little flustered. It's just you're the best-looking person I've ever seen in real life, and people like you normally aren't interested in people like me. People like you? Sirius asked, genuinely confused. What, do you have a criminal record or something? Or an extra hand? No, just the two hands, Remus said. And I cover up all of my murders really well, so no criminal record. What then? Sirius asked. Oh, come on, Remus replied. 
please don't make me go on and on about how handsome and out of my league you are. Sirius just stared at him, truly dumbfounded. Remus was, without a doubt, the best-looking person he'd ever seen, too. Actually, I take it all back, Sirius said abruptly. I don't want to take you to dinner, you're too much of an idiot. What? Remus said, his eyes widening. Well, you'd have to be an idiot if you can't tell how ridiculously attractive you are, Sirius said, and Remus blushed a deeper shade of pink. Guess you're off the hook, then, Remus said. See you in the morning. See you in the morning, Sirius said. With coffee. Just how you like it. Black. Remus's face broke into a grin, almost in spite of himself, and whether he realized it or not, he was looking at Sirius with the same kind of awe and interest that Sirius felt toward him. Goodbye, Sirius. Bye, Remus. So, Harry, any ideas for names yet? Sirius asked, sitting on the edge of Harry's bed later that night and watching Harry sleepily stroke the soft, delicate fur behind the puppy's ear. Harry and the puppy were curled up together, Harry under the covers, and the puppy on top of the Buzz Lightyear comforter that topped Harry's bed. The puppy was tucked into the crook of Harry's stomach where his knees bent upward a little. I was thinking, Harry said quietly, his head on his pillow and his eyelids heavy. Promsy. Oh, Harry, Sirius said quietly, running his hand across Harry's forehead and up through his messy hair. Sirius would never tell Harry not to name his new puppy after his father, but then again, Sirius wasn't sure he could bear to give that name to someone else, or hear Harry say it every day to someone who wasn't James, even if that someone was a dog. Don't you like it? Harry asked. I do like it, Sirius said. But don't you think that might get a bit confusing? Maybe, Harry said thoughtfully. I just thought, I thought my daddy might have liked dogs. Oh, he did, darling, Sirius said. He loved everything. Biggest heart in the world, your dad. But you think Prongsy's a bad name? No. But I do think this puppy is very special. And special things deserve their own special name, Sirius replied through the lump in his throat. Yeah, you're right, Padfoot, Harry said. He shouldn't have to share. You'll think of something, Sirius said. He kissed Harry on the forehead, scratched the puppy's belly, then shut off the light, turning on Harry's star and moon nightlight as he stood up. Love you, Harry, good night, he said quietly. Love you, Patty. Sirius walked into the hallway and left the bedroom door open a crack, just how Harry liked it. He went into the living room, turned on the TV, watched ten minutes of the cricket match, and shut it off again. He was feeling antsy, and not only because he was nervous about the dog pooping on the bed after giving in to Harry's begging to let the puppy sleep with him instead of in its crate. The whole day felt a little discombobulating. Remus's teasing about never being rejected was actually extremely accurate, it didn't happen very often, or ever, Sirius realized. But that wasn't really what was bothering him. It was that he was rejected by someone he couldn't stop thinking about and who seemed to like him back. And what Sirius was thinking about went beyond mere physical attraction, although that was there, too, obviously. 
It was the funny feeling that in Remus, Sirius had finally met his match, a person who sparked him all over, inside and out. Their verbal sparring had felt a bit like foreplay, sexy and fun and satisfying, an itch he didn't realize he'd needed scratched. Yet Sirius seemed to have gotten the situation all wrong, which was also unlike him. Sirius was usually very, very good at reading people. It was part of his job description as a photographer. Whether he was shooting a wedding or a travel story or a football match, it was his job to capture people honestly, to watch for their unguarded moments and tell a true story with his images. What was Remus's true story? He had a son, and now a dog, and a significant other, apparently, although replaying the conversation in his mind, Sirius realized that he never found out who Remus was dating or for how long. And what's the story with his son? Where was his mother? Or was he adopted? And if they lived in the same neighborhood, why had they never run into each other before? Teddy and Harry should have gone to the same school. Maybe they were new in town. It was August, maybe Sirius hadn't seen Teddy at school because Teddy hadn't been to school yet. Which meant Remus might not have been with his boyfriend, girlfriend, partner, for very long. There was only one way to find out and waiting until morning wouldn't do. Sirius was not a man known for his patience. He pulled his phone out of his pocket and found Remus's contact information, Remus, puppy love, Lupin, Sirius had named him. Deciding to throw caution to the wind, Sirius shot off a text. Sirius. I let the dog sleep in Harry's bed. I have a feeling this will end badly for me. To Sirius's surprise, Remus wrote back immediately. Remus. I have a feeling you're right. Why would you do such a thing? Sirius. Because I'm a pushover who cannot say no to that boy. Even though I know the dog is probably going to have an accident before morning. Remus. Can an accident really be called an accident if you know it's going to happen? Sirius. That's a deep question for a Saturday night. I'm not sure. Remus. I think the answer is no. Sirius. So I'm fucked. And it's my own fault. Remus. How about this? Once Harry is asleep, maybe move the dog to its crate. I'd hate for you to be late to the dog park and for me not to get my black coffee just because you're busy cleaning dog shit from your godson's bed. Serious. You're very wise, Remus. Have you been told that before? Remus. I've been called a wise ass quite a lot. Serious. That sounds about right. Serious. I was wondering, did you just move here to Godric's Hollow? It occurred to me that Teddy and Harry should be in the same school, but I've never seen you. And I definitely would have remembered you if I had. Remus. I would have remembered you, too, serious, unforgettable, black. Remus. We just moved in May. From London. I thought Teddy needed a proper backyard. Blue skies. Clean air. Church fates, and all that. Not that we go to church, but you know. Serious. And a dog to perfectly round out the suburban idol. Remus. Exactly. 
Did I seem convincing about it? Like I'm one of you. Serious. Well, the neck tattoo kind of gave you away. But otherwise, yes, very convincing. You've definitely got that sexy, doting dad thing going on, which is just right for the suburbs. Remus. Ah, what a relief. Serious. I must be convincing then, too. Remus. What, as a suburbanite? Not really, to be honest. You sound like you grew up in a fucking castle. Serious. If you must know, it was an estate not a castle. Remus. Posh is posh, pretty boy. Serious. Not according to my family. But you're letting me get off topic. Remus. What's the topic? Didn't we start out talking about dog shit? Serious. I'd like the topic to be you. I need to know who's won your heart. Remus. I don't know if he's won it exactly. Let's just say I'm letting him take it for a spin. Serious. Well, that bodes well for me. Remus. Does it? Serious. Yeah. When he gets off, I'd like to hop on. Remus. You're living up to that unforgettable thing, my friend. Serious. Glad to hear it. Serious. You know, I've heard that the last person you talk to before you go to sleep is more likely to be in your dreams that night. Remus. That seems like something you just made up. Serious. Perhaps. But what if it's true? Remus. How do you know that, Mr. Taking My Heart for a Spin, isn't laying in bed next to me right now? Serious. Well, shit, that would be extremely awkward. Is he? Remus. No. Serious. You're a menace. Remus. Sweet dreams. Maybe I'll see you in one of them. Winking face. Fuck, serious thought, shutting his phone off and running a hand over his face. If he didn't know it before, he definitely knew it now. Dog on the bed or not, he was in deep, deep shit. Chapter 2 Underdog it took about three times as long as it would have normally done to walk to the coffee shop and dog park the next morning, but the new puppy, who Harry finally christened Ziggy, felt the need to sniff and pee on every rock, tree trunk, and patch of grass along the way. Harry, meanwhile, felt the need to excitedly narrate every move Ziggy made. Wait, Padfoot, Ziggy wants to sniff this stick. Look, Padfoot, Ziggy is peeing on the curb. And this curb. And that curb. Patty, should Ziggy be eating that crusty white thing? Luckily, Sirius was so nervous and excited about seeing Remus again that they left four times earlier than they actually needed to, giving Sirius enough time to find the perfect shady bench for him and Remus to sit on together. Sirius watched Harry and Ziggy chase each other through the grass when he heard a voice behind him. Keep Bowie on his lead until you get inside the fence. Teddy. Sirius turned around to see Teddy racing ahead of Remus, with the puppy, Bowie, apparently, running and pulling hard on his lead, so hard that he yanked a stumbling Teddy along behind him. 
Bowie barked excitedly at his brother, Ziggy's ears perked up at the sound, and soon, the two puppies were barreling toward one another, each with their boy in tow. They met and Bowie and Ziggy jumped and yipped in happy circles, while Harry and Teddy cautiously looked each other up and down before finally coming to some unspoken kid agreement to be friends. Teddy reached into his pocket, handed Harry a few dog treats, and within seconds the boys and dogs were romping happily through the grass together. Good morning, Mr. Unforgettable, Remus said, settling onto the bench beside Sirius and looking, if possible, handsomer than he had the afternoon before. Morning suited Remus, Sirius decided. He looked soft and sleepy, with his hair still charmingly a little pillow-tousled and his t-shirt a bit rumpled. Good morning, Mr. Black, Sirius replied, handing Remus his coffee. Black coffee, I meant. Of course. Remus just laughed and shook his head. You truly are something, Remus said, taking the coffee and sipping it gratefully. Thanks for this, I overslept a little. That damned dog kept me up all night. Wouldn't stop crying until I took him out of his crate and let him into my bed. I take it you relented? Sirius said. That I did, Remus said. Lucky dog, Sirius replied. I'll have to get him to tell me his secrets. Well, if you whine in a crate for five hours, maybe I'll let you into my bed, too. Don't make promises you can't keep, Remus. I've actually never broken a promise, Remus said casually without looking at Sirius. And I never would. So, Ziggy, huh? As in Stardust? Yep, Sirius said. And Bowie? As in David? That's right, Remus nodded. Interesting. Maybe we did infiltrate each other's dreams last night. Maybe we did, Remus mused. He took another sip of coffee and watched the boys climb a tree while the dogs circled the trunk below. So, any dog shit on Harry's bed this morning? Nope I took your advice and moved Ziggy to his crate after Harry fell asleep. You're a genius. Yep, that's me, a dog savant. Meanwhile, I think I've set a terrible precedent for Bowie. He's never going to want to sleep anywhere but with me after this. Oh, you can't blame him for that, Remus. Right, Remus replied shyly, a little blush creeping up his neck. Wow, he was cute. Remus's phone buzzed in his pocket, and he pulled it out, his eyes scanning over the screen. Sorry, I just have to reply to this text, he said. A few seconds later, Remus put his phone away and looked at Sirius. I realized that I told you all about myself last night and you didn't tell me anything about you, Remus said. You told me almost nothing. Sirius said. All I know is that you moved from London. What else is there to tell? Anything. Everything. Sirius said. Would you believe it if I told you that I find you incredibly interesting and want to know everything there is to know about you? No, I wouldn't believe that at all, Remus laughed. Why not? Because I'm not interesting in the slightest, Remus said. We'll have to agree to disagree on that one, Remus, Sirius replied. Anyway, what do you want to know? I guess I'd like to know anything and everything about you, too, Remus admitted. Like, what do you do? 
You'll have to narrow that down, Sirius said. I do many things. Right now, for instance, I am trying to devise the best way to woo this stunning fellow sitting next to me. Okay, smartass, what do you do for work? I'm a photographer, Sirius replied. Wow, that's interesting. Remus said, sounding like he really meant it. He angled his long body toward Sirius a little more, draping one golden arm across the back of the bench, making Sirius's heart beat a little faster at his easy, unself-conscious loveliness. Sirius was astonished anew at how completely unaware Remus seemed to be of how attractive he was. What kind of photography do you do? Remus asked. Well, I freelance, so a little bit of everything. Kind of a photographer for hire, Sirius explained. So weddings, editorial work, product photography for brands, stuff like that. And I've, um, gotten into fine art photography a bit, too. Sirius felt his voice trailing away a little at the end of his explanation. In truth, his fine art photography was the thing he was proudest of, especially lately. It allowed him to create pictures from his own vision and passion, not anyone else's. But he found that most people weren't as interested in that kind of work. They were more interested in hearing about how he shot the latest football match or a model for a Cartier campaign. Remus, however, was not most people. I love fine art photography, he said. I don't know a lot about it, but I always find myself gravitating toward it in museums. I like it better than the paintings. What kinds of things do you photograph? People mostly, Sirius said quietly. I've um, got a series about unhoused people in London. Oh, that's, that's really lovely, Remus said, sounding a bit taken aback. Remus looked at him with a curious softness that made Sirius feel strangely seen. What about you? Sirius asked. What do you do? I'm a literature professor at the university, Remus said. I've only been teaching a few summer classes since we moved, but it'll be great hours once fall semester starts. I'll be able to be home with Teddy in the afternoons after school. Not as interesting or glamorous as your job, though. Glamour is very much overrated, Sirius said. All flash, no substance. I would think glamour just follows you around whether you like it or not, Remus said. Considering, this. He gestured toward Sirius with one sweeping, head-to-toe motion of his hand, indicating Sirius's entire self. Normally Sirius didn't like it when people referenced his attractiveness. He found his looks to be more of a hindrance in his life than a help. But from Remus he didn't really mind. Maybe because he had the feeling that Remus didn't value it as highly as some people did, or maybe at all. If it followed me anywhere, I would beat it away and run, Sirius said. Glamour holds no interest for me. You keep surprising me, Sirius, Remus said, looking at him in the same way he did the day before, as though he couldn't quite believe what he was seeing. I hope that's a good thing, Sirius said. It's a very good thing, Remus replied. Okay, Sirius nodded. Good. And the sexy single dad gig? How long have you been doing that? Um, well, the sexy part one couldn't tell you, Remus said. But the single dad part? All of Teddy's life. Really? 
Yep, Remus said. I wanted a baby, so my best friend offered up her eggs and uterus. One sample at the fertility clinic and nine months later, I got to be a dad. Wow, that's a hell of a friend, Sirius said. She's amazing, Remus agreed. She had no interest in motherhood, but she's still a huge part of Teddy's life. And mine, obviously. Auntie Dora. The best, coolest auntie on earth. What about you? You said you're Harry's godfather. But he lives with you. Remus stopped himself adding quickly. I'm sorry if that's overstepping. You don't have to answer if you don't want to. No, it's okay, Sirius reassured him. It was actually quite refreshing simply to be asked outright. Most people just kind of danced around the topic. His parents died when he was 15 months old, and I officially adopted him a few months later. His dad was my best friend. More like my brother, really. It was a plane crash. James was a pilot. Loved to fly. And he and his wife, Lily, were flying a little single-engine plane to an island off the coast of Scotland when they got caught in a storm. There was a lightning strike, and... Sirius couldn't finish the story. No matter how many years passed, he'd never be over losing James, especially so suddenly and violently. Every time he talked about it, which was almost never, it hurt. Oh Sirius, I'm so sorry, Remus said, reaching for Sirius's hand and giving it a squeeze. Sirius squeezed it back, and they looked at each other for a few seconds. His hand in Remus's felt really nice. Natural. Warm. Remus's hands were large and strong, reassuring. He suddenly felt like maybe he could talk about James a little more, if Remus asked. Daddy. Teddy yelled, barreling up to the bench, and Remus let go of Sirius's hand to turn his full attention to his son. Can Harry sleep over tonight? Um, Remus said, glancing at Sirius. Probably not. But maybe we can do something else. Let me talk to Sirius about that, okay? Okay. Teddy said, his skinny little legs running back to where Harry and the dogs were playing near a tree. We've known each other less than 24 hours, Remus said. And you know nothing about me. You do not have to let Harry sleep over at my house. Remus was right. He was basically a stranger, as much as it didn't really feel like it. Yeah, I think a sleepover would be jumping the gun a bit, Sirius admitted. But would you two want to come to our house tonight instead? We could order pizza and watch the new Minions movie. Harry's been bugging me to see it. We have kind of a cool outdoor setup, so you could bring Bowie, too. Unless you've already seen the new Minions movie. We could rent something else. Or you don't have to come at all. I can't believe I'm picking out movies when you haven't even said whether you want to come over. Serious. Remus cut him off, laughing. I think that sounds really fun. Teddy hasn't had a chance to make many friends yet. I think it's great that he and Harry are getting along so well. Okay, then, it's a date, Sirius said slyly, expecting Remus to correct him, but he didn't. Instead he nodded and returned Sirius's sly smile with one of his own. Yes, he agreed. It's a date.
They each raised their coffees to their lips and took a sip, without breaking eye contact, laughing a little at how their movements mirrored each other's, when the sound of an engine rumbled through the morning air next to them. A shiny black Porsche rolled slowly up to the dog park and stopped in front of the gate near where Remus and Sirius were sitting. A slickly handsome man, all shiny teeth, sharp cheekbones, and swooping blonde hair, wearing a crisply tailored suit got out of the car and looked around with his face scrunched up in a disgusted pucker. He turned to look at himself in the reflection of the tinted windows for a few seconds before stepping gingerly across the grass in his expensive leather loafers. Speaking of all flash, no substance. Oh, look at this douche, Sirius said, turning to Remus. He expected Remus to roll his eyes but instead Remus waved at the man. Remus, darling, the man said, walking over to them. Why on earth are you here, of all places? Did you see there's excrement on the ground over there? It's a dog park, Gil. Excrement kinda comes with the territory, Remus said with a laugh, standing up and greeting the man with a chaste peck on the cheek. We got a puppy yesterday. Remember I told you we were going to the shelter? I didn't think you were serious about that, darling, the man named Gil said, not bothering to hide his dislike. Why on earth would you get a dog? Teddy's been asking for one for months, Remus said, shrugging. And I like dogs. Ah, uh, Teddy, Gil said, looking around. Is the little tyke here? Will I finally get to meet him? He is here, but he's um, a little busy at the moment, Remus said, shifting his weight between his feet and rubbing the back of his neck. Maybe another time. Anyway, I thought you were on your way to a work event and just wanted to say a quick hi. I'm here with a friend. He gestured toward Sirius, who Gil had been pointedly ignoring during the entire exchange. Gil made a show out of acting surprised to see Sirius, as though he hadn't noticed him sitting eighteen inches away. Oh, sorry mate, he exclaimed, slapping a hand to his forehead dramatically. I didn't see you there. I'm Gil. Gilderoy Lockhart. Gil let the weight of his full name settle on Sirius and waited for a reaction. Sirius did recognize the name, and his face and voice, now that he realized who it belonged to, Gilderoy Lockhart had been the host of one of the region's most popular chat shows for a decade. But Sirius didn't give him the satisfaction, keeping his face as neutral as he could. Sirius Black, Sirius said with a disinterested nod in his direction. Working at 9am on a Saturday, huh? You a paperboy or something? Gil laughed jovially, but the laughter didn't reach his eyes. Don't I wish, he chuckled, shaking his head as though he was too important for his own liking. No, no, I'm off to do a very exciting interview. Top secret. Haven't even told old Remus here who it is I've snagged. I haven't asked, Remus said quietly, but Gil kept talking. I do envy those of you with excessive leisure time, though, Gil continued, giving Sirius a toothy smile. Perhaps in another life. Why, is your life ending soon? Sirius asked hopefully, but Gil either didn't hear him or ignored him. Well, must be off Remus darling. Gil said, gripping Remus's elbow and giving him a kiss on each cheek. It made Sirius's skin crawl. I hope you're still free for the gala on Friday.
Black tie. Don't forget. You've taken my tux measurements three times, Gil, I couldn't forget if I tried. Love to hear it, darling. Well, ciao, then. And he tiptoed through the grass back to his Porsche. Ciao. Sirius said under his breath as he went. Ugh. He hoped he never had to witness Gil's hands on Remus ever again. He can be very charming, Remus said, as though reading Sirius's mind. He waved at Gil with a tight smile. I'll take your word for it, Sirius replied. So a gala Friday? Yeah, the museum is opening a new visual arts wing and Gil asked me to be his date. He's apparently the master of ceremonies, Remus said. Actually, there's some photography in the new wing, you should check it out. I um, heard something about that, Sirius said, realizing that he might be seeing Gil and Remus together again a bit sooner than he wanted to. He pushed it out of his mind and thought instead about something more immediately pressing, his doggy-slash-kid-slash-pizza-slash-minions date with Remus. Chapter 3, Puppy Dog Eyes Remus Hey there. Do you or Harry have any food allergies? Serious. Nope. Remus. Okay good, me and Teddy are making peanut butter cookies. We'll bring them tonight. Serious. OMG, and he can bake. Serious. Can you stop? Serious. You're killing me. Serious. Quick, tell me something that's wrong with you so I can stop pining. Remus. Um, I can't dance. Serious. But that's adorable. Remus. Trust me, it's not. Serious. Still, not good enough. Tell me something else. Remus. I'm really messy. I leave my dirty socks on the living room floor all the time. Serious. Eh, I could break you of that habit pretty fast. What else have you got? Remus. I don't like cats. Serious. I knew it. You're perfect. Keep trying. Remus. The entire right side of my body from my neck to my ankle is covered in scars from when I was in a really bad car accident as a kid. Serious. Nope. Scars are sexy. Everyone knows that. Next. Remus. I'm a jerk before coffee, I sometimes think I'm smarter than everyone else, I have a temper when I'm sick, I've been on Prozac for depression since 2009, I have a mug that says, live, laugh, love, and I use it multiple times a week, I once brought a book to a funeral because I didn't want to sit through the two-hour mass, and I've never been in a relationship longer than six months because no one is ever good enough for Teddy. Remus. Oh, and I don't recycle anything that I have to rinse something sticky out of. I just throw the container away. Serious. The live, laugh, love mug might be a deal breaker. Remus. But it's the perfect size. Serious. A thin excuse. Remus. If you could just hold it in your hands when it's filled with hot coffee in the morning you'd understand. Serious. Wait, 
Are you inviting me to spend the night? Remus. If I did, I wouldn't be giving you my perfect mug the next morning. Sirius. All these mixed signals. Remus. See you at six o'clock. With cookies. We'll bring juice boxes and cheese sticks, too. Sirius. All my favorites. Can't wait. A few hours later, Harry ran to greet Remus and Teddy at the front door and excitedly led them through into the kitchen where Sirius was putting crisps into a bowl. Remus and Teddy were holding hands, and Teddy was holding Bowie's lead. They'd walked the two blocks from their house and were each, adorably, wearing a backpack filled with essentials. Sirius turned around, and Remus erupted into laughter when he saw what Sirius was wearing. My God, your shirt, he wheezed, wiping a tear from his cheek. Oh this thing. Sirius asked, looking down at his tight black t-shirt with, live, laugh, love, written in hot pink script. I've had this forever. It speaks to me. Is that right? Yeah. It's a good reminder of the important things in life, Sirius replied. And I have one for you, too. Sirius walked over to the kitchen table and pulled a matching t-shirt out of a canvas tote bag. He unfolded it and held it up in the air to show Remus. I swear, you get odder every time I talk to you, Remus said in awe. Thank you. Where did you get these? I bought them many years ago and have been waiting to give the matching one to the right person, Sirius said handing the shirt to Remus, who immediately stripped off his own white t-shirt and replaced it with the new one. Sirius swallowed, his throat a little dry. Remus looked really good without his shirt on. So much for the last bastion of hope that the man wasn't perfect. Well, what do you think? Remus asked, looking down at himself. I like it. Teddy said. I want one, too. Me too. Harry chimed in. I think we can make that happen, Sirius told the boys. Where did you get these, really? Remus asked. I have a friend with a cricket machine, Sirius replied. She makes me anything I want as long as I keep her in a steady supply of t-shirts and vinyl. Honestly, Sirius, where did you come from, and why, never mind, Remus said, still laughing but letting his voice trail off a little. Patty, can we go outside now? Harry asked. Absolutely sweetheart, Sirius replied. Harry grabbed Sirius's hand and started pulling him toward the back door. To Sirius's surprise, Teddy took his other hand. Sirius looked up at Remus instinctively at this to see Remus looking back at him with an odd expression. Remus seemed to catch himself and smiled a little. Yeah, let's go outside, he said quietly and followed Sirius and the boys out the door. Wow, are you rich or something? Teddy exclaimed. His eyes widened as he looked around the big backyard, with its in-ground pool, swing set, bocce court, rock climbing wall, outdoor kitchen, pool house, and mini outdoor cinema. Sirius never, ever flaunted his wealth, he hated where it came from, and their house was comfortable, but modest. But when it came to Harry, he tended to go big, and the backyard was the one place he splashed out in their home. If you couldn't see it from the street, it wasn't showing off, he figured. 
My padfoot says talking about money is gauche, Harry replied. Wait, you have a ghost, too? Teddy shouted. This is the best house ever. Daddy, will you push me on the swings? Yeah, go ahead over, I'll be right behind you, Remus replied. Teddy ran toward the swing set as fast as his knobby-kneed legs would carry him, with Bowie galloping along in his wake. Hey, wait for me. Harry yelled, and he and Ziggy took off after him. Sirius watched the two boys scramble onto the swings and kick off from the ground as the puppies ran and jumped around below them, trying to catch their feet as they swung back and forth overhead. The day had been warm, but a hint of autumn chill was already creeping into the evening air as the sun hovered over the pine trees that lined the edge of the backyard. Thanks for having us, Remus said, then laughed at his own words. I just left the door open for you to say something about having me, didn't I? But Sirius only shook his head. Nope, he said. Now that I've met Gil, I've realized there's no way I can compete and have resolved myself to the fact that we're destined to be only friends. I promise I won't hit on you anymore. Oh, Remus said, sounding surprised and maybe even, Sirius hoped, a bit disappointed. Okay then. Right, Sirius said. And I'm going to treat you like any other bloke who comes over. Other than the ones who give me blowjobs. Remus snorted with laughter. Are there a lot of those? he asked. I would tell you but I'm afraid that it isn't a platonic enough topic of conversation for us, Sirius replied. If it makes you feel any better, I definitely talk about blowjobs with my friends, Remus said. You do. I guess I'm hanging out with the wrong people. Well, I just like talking about the things I'm good at. Shall we? And he gave Sirius an innocent little smile and walked over to the swing set. Sirius sighed painfully as he watched Remus go. Remus was wearing a pair of khaki shorts that were a little too baggy for his lanky frame. His calf muscles flexed with every step, and Sirius noticed the jagged white scars that corded across his skin. Yep, sexy as hell, just like Sirius knew they would be. Fucking fuckity fuck. Remus walked behind where Harry and Teddy were swinging and started to take it in turns to push each of them, one with his right hand, the other with his left. Higher, Remus. Harry shrieked happily. Are you sure you can handle that? Remus asked. Yes. Harry replied, screaming with delight as Remus pushed him hard, sending him skyward, his little legs waggling joyfully. My turn, Daddy. Teddy yelled, sounding a little possessive of his father. I know you can handle it. Remus said to a proud-looking Teddy before pushing him even higher than he'd pushed Harry. Just friends, Sirius thought, as he watched Remus play with the boys. Just friends with the beautiful man who's good at blowjobs and pushes Harry on the swings with those big hands of his. Just friends with the perfect guy who has sturdy forearms and who's dating the handsome douche from morning TV. Just friends with the gorgeous dad who's funny and sexy and who brought juice boxes and cheese sticks in a backpack, and who texted to make sure Harry didn't have a food allergy because he also brought homemade peanut butter cookies that he and his adorable kid made together because of course they did. Sirius joined Remus at the swings and took over pushing Harry, and soon a competition erupted over whose dad could push them higher.
Remus and Sirius said it was a tie, but Teddy and Harry each thought they won. When the boys declared themselves hungry, they ordered pizzas, and the four of them settled onto a big, oversized day bed piled with pillows to watch the new Minions movie. Sirius watched Teddy and Harry scream with laughter at Gru and his exploits, and he caught Remus's eye a few times, too. When the movie was over, Sirius built a fire for the boys to roast marshmallows and set up Harry's little tent with the fairy lights. Harry and Teddy streaked through the backyard with empty glass jars, trying to catch fireflies, then collapsed into the tent to tell scary stories. Soon, the boys fell asleep. The fire in the fire pit had burned down to nothing more than smoldering, bright orange embers. Remus and Sirius were opening their second bottle of wine and had pulled a quilt over themselves on the day bed. I have a confession, Remus said. Can I tell you? What kind of confession? Sirius asked. A guilty one, Remus whispered, leaning a little closer. My favorite kind, Sirius said. Their bodies weren't touching, but Sirius could still feel Remus's body heat mingling with his own underneath the quilt. I didn't know that Gil was sort of famous around here, Remus said. And if I had, I never would have agreed to go out with him. Sirius swallowed, trying to think of the best way to respond. Normally, he would have said something witty and flirty, but something told him not to do that this time. Instead, he nodded quietly. And now that you know, are you happy you did? For the most part, but, Remus said. I don't know. There are just some, things. I do like him when it's just the two of us. When we're alone at his house he's very nice. And then we go out somewhere and he just comes across as so. Remus trailed off, seemingly struggling to find the right word. Sirius had plenty. Pompous. Arrogant. Condescending. Obnoxious. Patronizing. Douchey. Not good enough for you. Remus didn't finish his sentence, though. He was quiet for a long time, staring at the stars. Who do you think a person really is? Remus asked finally, still looking at the sky. Who they are when they're alone or who they are in public. I don't know, Sirius said. Maybe a combination. But I don't think they should be that different. Definitely not so different that you have to wonder. No, I guess you're right, Remus said. Although not everyone can be like you. Like me? Yeah. I get the feeling you're just you. All the time. I suppose that's true, Sirius replied. I couldn't be someone else if I tried. And believe me, I've tried. You have? Oh, yeah. Let's just say I'm not what my parents expected me to be. What did they expect you to be? Well, heterosexual, for one, Sirius said, and Remus laughed. And a conservative. Someone who would take his father's place in the House of Lords and vote the same way blacks have done for centuries. Someone who would marry a nice, titled girl, preferably one who was distantly related to me, and manage the estate, and go hunting, and play polo, and just generally be a boring, entitled twat. Wow, Remus said. All my parents ever wanted me to do was study something at uni where I wouldn't end up as a waiter forever.
That sounds idyllic, Syria said. I know, I'm lucky, Remus said. They've never been anything but supportive. Even when I told them I was going to have a baby by myself. Have you found it hard? Raising Teddy alone? Sirius asked. No, Remus said. I'm very aware that I chose him and deliberately decided to be his father. I think that really matters. Because I didn't know if I'd get a chance to be a dad, and now that I am one, I'll never take him for granted. That's beautiful, Sirius said. I definitely didn't choose to be Harry's guardian because I would have done anything to change what happened to his dad and mum. And I know I'm a piss-poor substitute for them. But I'm determined to give him a good life and make him feel unconditionally loved every single day. Serious, Remus said solemnly. You're a great dad. There's nothing piss-poor about you. Thanks, Sirius said, because he could tell Remus meant it. I do worry sometimes because it's just me, though. Like, am I enough? Shouldn't he have two parents? But, then again, I did have two parents, and they both sucked, so. One great parent beats two shitty ones any day, Remus agreed. But I know what you mean. Even though I'm confident I'm doing my best, it would be nice to have someone to co-parent with. You know, someone who can make dinner while I help with homework or vice versa. Who can do bath time when my back hurts, or even someone I can just lay in bed with and talk to when I'm worried about something. Like, for instance, Teddy has a bee sting allergy and needs an EpiPen with him all the time, and sometimes I get so overwhelmed with the fear of something happening to him that I just lay in bed and cry. Because I know there's only so much I can do to protect him, from bees or from anything. And on nights like that I kind of just, you know, want a hug. Would it be weird if I hugged you right now? Sirius asked. Yeah, Remus laughed. But you can do it anyway. I like weird. I mean, we are wearing matching t-shirts. Alright then, Sirius said. And they folded into each other's arms, Remus's head sinking onto Sirius's shoulder like it was meant to be there all along. Remus was an exceptionally good hugger, and Sirius sighed into it and closed his eyes, despite himself. They stayed like that for a long time and Sirius was struck by how not weird it felt at all, how warm Remus's body was, how easily their breathing started to fall into sync. He thought he could fall asleep like this. He opened his eyes and caught sight of Harry, Teddy, and both dogs asleep in the cozy pile of blankets and pillows in the little tent, the fairy lights illuminating their sweet sleeping faces, and he had to pull away. It was all too perfect, and it wasn't his, and it ached a little. He sat back, trying to regain himself. So, you'd like someone to co-parent with, but you said no one's been good enough for Teddy, Sirius said. Is Gil? Remus sighed and leaned his head back onto the pillows. Probably not. And you haven't introduced them? No. Do you think anyone could ever be good enough? Remus didn't answer right away. He looked at Sirius, as though contemplating something. Even after pulling out of the hug, Sirius could feel the heat from Remus's body as though it was radiating off of him, like an energy field that pulsed around his skin. It felt heavy. Tangible. Then Remus spoke. 
Sirius watched his mouth form around the words in the dark, felt the little puff of warm breath against his cheek from sitting so close. Yeah, he breathed, a little smile playing on his lips. I think so. Remus wasn't sure why he was opening this door. Actually he had some idea. The wine. The fire. The chilly nighttime air against his cheeks that made their warm body heat under the quilt feel even warmer. The sight of his little boy curled up so snugly with Harry and the puppies. And serious. Just serious. This confounding, beautiful man who dropped out of the sky to rattle Remus's world a little. A lot. More than a lot. They lay next to each other under the stars and fell silent, and before Remus or Sirius even realized it, they were both very soundly asleep. When he woke the next morning to the sound of birds chirping overhead and the cool dampness of morning dew coating the quilt, Remus wasn't surprised by the way his head had drifted onto Sirius's shoulder in the night, or how Sirius's hand rested gently on his lower back. He wasn't surprised that he didn't get up right away, but instead closed his eyes again and let himself lay like that for a few minutes more, let himself wonder whether he'd ever wake up like this with Gil, and let himself wish, not for the first time, that he'd met Sirius first. Chapter 4, Dog and Pony Show, The Gala Part 1 Sirius was true to his word and didn't flirt with Remus for the whole rest of the week. Well, as much as Sirius Black could keep himself from flirting because even their most casual conversations carried an intense electricity that Remus couldn't ignore, or pretend not to be constantly distracted by. Just that day, they'd taken an early morning walk together, meeting at the café with the boys and dogs with the intention of going their separate ways after coffee. Instead, they spent two hours at the café, then another two at a playground. Eventually the boys got hungry, so they had lunch together, too, and later, ice cream sundaes. And when Sirius reached over to swipe a bit of chocolate sauce off of Remus's lip, Remus had to physically restrain himself from licking Sirius's finger into his mouth and... Remus, are you listening, darling? Hmm. I asked if you wanted to go out for dinner or order in. Gil said. Teddy and Bowie were spending the night with Remus's parents, and Remus was spending the night at Gil's flat the penthouse of a sleek new glass building overlooking the river downtown. Remus supposed it was beautiful, and objectively, it was. It had floor-to-ceiling windows, opulent white travertine floors, and a view of the dazzling cityscape below. But it felt cold, too, with its black leather couches, glass coffee table, expensive art on the walls, and unnatural quiet. Remus always judged a place by three things, whether he'd feel comfortable being sick there for a few days, whether Teddy, and now Bowie, too, could run around freely, and whether he could fall asleep there. So far, he'd only had a chance to experience the third thing, and he found that sleep didn't come easily at Gill's flat. Remus needed headphones and a white noise app to calm himself the few times he'd spent the night there, and it always took him hours to fall asleep. He could hear Sirius's voice in his head as he looked around the glossy, glittering flat, all flash, no substance. Sorry, I was just thinking, Remus said as Gil wrapped his arms around his waist from behind and kissed the side of his neck. Don't apologize, Gil said sweetly. You seem like you've had a lot on your mind lately. 
Is everything all right? Yeah, everything's fine, Remus replied, closing his eyes as Gil continued his ministrations along his neck and feeling guilty for imagining sucking chocolate from Sirius's finger while he was standing in his boyfriend's flat. I suppose I'm a little overwhelmed. I'm getting ready for the fall semester, and Teddy's starting a new school soon, and we have the dog, and we're still getting used to the new house. You must be tired, Gil said. You've had so much going on. Something like that, Remus said, letting Gil turn him so they were facing each other. Their lips met, and Remus tried his best to sink into the kiss, to empty his mind of anything but the man in front of him. Gil was a wonderful kisser and so handsome. Gil pulled away, put a hand on Remus's cheek, and smiled gently. Let's stay in tonight, then, hmm. Gil said. We can get takeaway, and watch a movie, and I'll rub your feet and your shoulders, and you can just relax and not worry about anything. How does that sound? That sounds really nice, Gil, thanks, Remus said, and this time when they kissed, Remus initiated it. He was being stupid. He'd known Sirius for five days. Five days. And Gil was lovely, if a little quirky. He was handsome, successful, and absolutely doted on Remus, and they'd spent two and a half very nice months together, and... Yes, that's right, the Gilderoy Lockhart, in the flesh. I know it's hard to believe, but I order takeaway, too, just like anyone else, Gil chuckled into the phone a few minutes later as he ordered their dinner. Perhaps we can pose for a picture, and I'll give you an autograph when you arrive, and an extra one for your mum, too. Yes, yes, of course. Just be sure not to touch me or make direct eye contact with me when you get here. That's right. Well, fame is a fickle friend, you know. I have to keep my boundaries secure. See you soon, darling. Gil hung up the phone and shook his head at Remus, as though he was utterly exhausted by that interaction. Fans, he said with an exasperated sigh. They always want pieces of me, but I have to keep some parts for myself. And for you, too, of course, darling. Of course, Remus said through a tight smile. Then Gil tossed his phone onto the couch and pulled Remus into another kiss, this one hotter and more passionate than before. Remus wondered whether being recognized turned Gil on. They'll be here in thirty minutes, Gil breathed into his ear, peppering Remus's neck with kisses. What do you reckon we could do in that time? Damn, he really was good at that, Remus thought, melting a little under his lips. Gil's hands ghosted down his waist and onto his arse, and it felt nice, but no matter what, Remus couldn't seem to relax. He should want this. They rarely got entire nights alone, he should have sex with his boyfriend when he had the chance. He pushed their bodies closer together and deepened their kiss, letting his tongue swipe into Gil's mouth, feeling Gil's insistent hardness pressing against him through his trousers. Gil was always so kind to him. And maybe someday Remus would let him meet Teddy and... Teddy had already met Sirius, Remus thought. He had already held his hand, had reached for it as though it was the most natural thing in the world. Everything about Sirius felt like the most natural thing in the world. Five days. He'd only known Sirius for five days. Do you mind if we just... 
Remus said breathlessly, squirming out of Gil's arms. I'm not really in the mood tonight. Headache. Not in the mood. Gil laughed disbelievingly. We shagged in your office last week, in a cupboard at the TV studio the week before, and in the loo at a restaurant the week before that. You're always in the mood. Well, that's how you know my headache must be really bad, Remus said, putting a hand to his forehead for dramatic effect. Gil's face crumbled in sympathy. Oh darling, I'm sorry, Gil said, taking him by the hand and sitting him onto the black leather couch. Let me get you some paracetamol and an ice pack. He hurried out of the room, and when he returned, he sat at the end of the couch. He pulled Remus's feet into his lap and massaged them tenderly. You don't have to do that, Remus said, guilt bubbling up in his stomach. I certainly do, Gil said firmly. You are relaxing tonight, and I won't hear another word of it. All I want to do is to help you feel better. Can I get you a pillow and a blanket? Or some tea with honey? Do you want to put on your pajamas? Get comfy. I, I don't know if I should stay, Remus said. I think I might just head home after dinner, if you don't mind. Whatever you need darling, Gil said, leaning down to press a delicate kiss to Remus's ankle, making him feel even guiltier. I just want you to feel better. And I want you healthy for Friday. Friday? Remus asked vaguely, and Gil's eyes widened. He dropped Remus's foot in shock. The gala. Remus, I have your tux in my closet. Gil said, utterly shocked. Of course. Remus said. How could he have forgotten? Gil had been banging on about the museum gala for weeks. Of course I remember Friday. I'm sorry, I just lost track of what day it was. The headache, you know. Will you be alright to drive yourself home? Gil asked, frowning with concern. I've already put Veronica to bed, but I could call you an Uber. Or maybe I could swing the TV station's car service. Or I could drive you home in your car and take an Uber home myself. Anything, you name it. Remus cringed internally at Gil referring to his Porsche as Veronica. But Gil was so concerned over the fake headache that he pushed through it. No, I'm, I'm fine to drive, Remus insisted. All right, Gil said, still sounding unsure. As long as you promise to text me when you get home. I'll worry otherwise, since your headache is so bad. I want to make sure you get there safely. I promise, Remus said. Gil really was sweet. Maybe he should spend the night. Say his headache feels better. Push Sirius out of his mind with a nice, sweaty shag. The doorbell rang, and Gil got up to answer it. Thank you, what's your name? Rodney. Thank you, Rodney, Remus overheard Gil talking to the delivery person in the hallway in his loud, TV voice. Would you like to take a photo with me? Excellent, but what did I tell you about touching and eye contact? You're doing both, Rodney. On second thought, maybe Remus would go home after all. You look fancy daddy. Teddy said on Friday when Remus emerged into the living room in his tuxedo. He had to hand it to Gil. It was tailored beautifully. Remus had wanted to get a rental, 
but Gil insisted on buying him one instead. You'll be my date for a lot of these events, Gil had said. You'll need one. Besides, I want to dress up my arm candy like the trophy he is. Remus had no idea what Gil was talking about but relented. Thank you, Teddy. Remus said. I feel fancy, too. I wish I could come, Teddy said sadly. It might be kind of boring, Remus confessed. You'll have so much more fun with Granny. I guess, Teddy said. He looked at his grandmother, who was sitting on the couch with a cup of tea and her knitting. Granny, can we play a game? Sure, why don't you go pick one out, Carrie Ad, Hope said, and Teddy ran into his bedroom. Thanks for watching him, Mum, Remus said, standing awkwardly next to her so he wouldn't wrinkle his tux too much by sitting down. Two nights in one week, she mused. Things must be getting serious. Not really, Remus said, his heart thrumming a little at the word, serious, even though it was silly, and he knew that's not what his mother meant. We're still getting to know each other. Just having fun. But you've been seeing him almost three months, Remus, she said, her eyes still cast firmly onto her knitting. Well, yeah. He said, noncommittally. He glanced at his watch, then out the window. Gil would be there any minute, and he didn't want to have this conversation anymore. Speaking of serious, Hope continued. Teddy mentioned someone by that name. Did he? Remus asked, turning away from the window to look at his mother, who was now readjusting her stitch counter. He said you've all been spending an awful lot of time together, she said. He must have told you all about the puppies, too, then, Remus said. He could feel his face getting hot. Suddenly the collar of his tux felt unnaturally tight. They're brothers and they were rescued together so they need to see each other a lot. Mm-hmm, Hope said. Teddy did mention the puppies. And Harry. She paused and glanced up at him. He said you all had a sleepover at this Sirius's house, too. Well, we didn't really mean to, we just kind of fell asleep after watching a movie, Remus said, catching his mother's eye for a moment before looking out the window again. He was suddenly reminded of his teen years when his mother could somehow sniff out any lie or half-truth in seconds, whether it was sneaking out to a party or sneaking a boy into his bedroom. Teddy also said he wishes that Sirius was your boyfriend. He what? Remus's head snapped back so fast he got a crick in his neck, and when he looked at his mother again, she was just giving him that smugly knowing smile of hers. Why would he say something like that? We're just friends. Out of the mouths of babes, Remus, she said simply, and went back to her knitting. A few minutes later, Remus and Gil were in the back seat of a Bentley on their way to the museum gala. You look scrumptious, Remus darling, Gil had said when he arrived. Thank you, so do you, Remus returned, and he really did. Gil could wear the hell out of a tux. Do you mind if I practice a little on the way? Gil asked, reaching into his pocket, and pulling out a small stack of note cards. Not at all, Remus replied, and Gil launched into his welcome comments. Remus was only half paying attention, 
catching phrases like, one of Britain's premier art museums, and state-of-the-art construction, as he watched the countryside of his neighborhood whiz by and slowly morph into the cityscape of downtown. He was still distracted by his conversation with his mother and what Teddy said about wishing Sirius was his boyfriend. Out of the mouths of babes, his mother had told him, referencing the simple and profound wisdom of children. He smiled a little to himself as Gil continued to read out loud from his note cards. Some of the nation's most gifted artists. Among them, Godric's Hollow's own Sirius Black, whose photo series, Home, is the centerpiece of. Remus's head snapped around for the second time that night, cricking his neck again, and he winced a little at the sharp pain. What did you just say, he demanded of Gil, who looked slightly annoyed that Remus had interrupted his rehearsal. Which bit? Gil asked, flipping through his cards. Net zero carbon impact or? The very last thing you just said, Remus replied, grabbing Gil's wrist and pulling the top note card toward him. Watch the cufflinks, Remus. Gil snapped. They're Tiffany. But Remus ignored him, because there, in black and white, were the words, Godric's Hollow's own serious black. Fuck, Remus thought, unable to ignore the excitement that fizzed up in his stomach at the thought of Sirius in a tux. Are you quite finished manhandling me? Gil said with an irritated laugh. Yes, sorry, Remus said, letting go of Gil's wrist. He realized that his fingers were trembling a little bit and he had to turn away as he bit his lip to hide a smile. He felt giddy and reckless. He'd known Sirius less than a week and had already considered breaking up with Gil because of him. Hearing that his six-year-old son had said out loud this crazy thing he'd been thinking about made it feel more real and less absurd. He thought he'd have a couple more days to think about what Teddy said. He and Sirius didn't have plans to see each other again until Sunday. But now, confronted with the fact of Sirius at the museum gala, and how he'd much rather spend the evening with Sirius than the man sitting right next to him, Remus had to face some facts very quickly. The fact that he hadn't introduced Gil to Teddy meant nothing. Remus never introduced Teddy to anyone he went out with, and he never would until he was sure that the person would be in Teddy's life for the long term. That meant so far, Teddy hadn't met anyone. Remus was not the type to get swept off his feet, and preferred dating in a more practical way. Because he wasn't just dating for himself. He was dating for Teddy, too. He tended to go out with someone for a few months and then make a pro-slash-con list about them. Gil did have a lot of pros. His handsomeness was a bonus, but not something that Remus really considered important for the long term. Instead, Remus liked that Gil was generous and thoughtful toward him all the time. He was also driven, had a secure career, and they were sexually compatible. Gil's biggest con, of course, was that he seemed to be a totally different person in public than when they were alone. He never stopped being sweet and kind to Remus, it's just that he was sort of insufferable toward everyone else. So it's not like Remus hadn't had doubts about Gil already. In fact he'd shared those doubts with Sirius, of all people, before he'd even had a chance to make a pro-slash-con list or talk about how he was feeling with Dora or any of his other friends. And now there was a brand new con to add to the list, Gil wasn't serious. 
Sirius was quickly appending every rule Remus had made for himself about men. First of all, Teddy had already met him and had already grown at least somewhat attached, by the sounds of it. Second, looks didn't really matter, but they certainly didn't hurt, and Sirius was the most incandescently beautiful person Remus had ever seen in his entire life. And finally, Remus had no desire to make a pro-slash-con list about Sirius at all. He simply wanted to fuck him within an inch of his life, talk until the sun came up, spend the rest of the next day playing with their sons and puppies, and then do it all again the next day, and again and again until the end of time. So much for not getting swept off his feet. They arrived at the museum and were escorted through a side door by an intern who was waiting for Gil with bated breath, so excited to have a celebrity on hand to do the ribbon cutting. They stood in the hallway outside a larger room where the reception was already underway, and Remus could hear the chatter of the party behind the closed doors. As master of ceremonies, Gil wouldn't be introduced for at least another twenty minutes, and he planned on staying hidden until then, rather than mingling with the crowd. He preferred a grand entrance. Oh, Mr. Lockhart, the intern gushed. You're even more handsome in person. So I've been told, Gil laughed indulgently, placing a hand on her forearm, and making her blush like a schoolgirl. Remus watched him, perplexed. How did he manage to show every single bright white tooth in his head all the time? It really was a very weird skill. Can I ask you, she said, emboldened. How did you get your start in the entertainment business? Gil gave her a radiant smile and launched into what Remus was sure would be a very long, very detailed story. Remus signaled to Gil that he was going into the party, and Gil waved him off with a nod and smile without breaking stride. I'd like to tell you it was a struggle, but it really wasn't. Remus heard him say as he slipped through the doors. He looked around the sleek new exhibit hall filled with people chatting and looking at the art while servers passed hors d'oeuvres on silver platters. At one end of the room, a three-piece band played the Amy Winehouse song Valerie, while at the other end, a long line was forming at the bar. Remus decided some liquid courage was necessary, so he got in line, too, where he was immediately accosted. Remus, oh thank God you're here. It was Remus's friend from work, Benji Fenwick. They'd met during Remus's first week at the university and bonded in the cafeteria over being two of the youngest professors on the faculty. They'd gone on a couple of dates but realized very quickly that they were better suited as friends. Hey Benji, you alright? Remus asked. Ugh, just bored already. Here, he said, handing Remus a glass of wine. I saw you walk in while I was at the bar, so I got you one, too. Figured you'd need it to get through this hellish night. That bad already, huh? I'm just trying to find someone under the age of 80 to have a conversation with, Benji said looking around. All of these stuffy old museum donors look like they just stumbled out of a sarcophagus from the antiquities wing. Is that why you're here, then? Remus asked. To butter up donors for the university art program? Yep, Benji said glumly. Tell me something interesting before I keel over and die of boredom, please. Um, Bowie is house-trained now, Remus offered. I said interesting, not mildly disgusting, Benji chided. Trust me, 
it was more disgusting when he wasn't house trained. Something caught Benji's eye and his shoulders slumped visibly. Remus looked around to see a short, stout, extremely old woman in garish makeup, wearing a gigantic fur coat and a jeweled head wrap. She looked like an even more terrifying version of Norma Desmond from Sunset Boulevard. Benji whined a little at the sight of her. Hepzibah Smith. She's the biggest big fish here, Benji sighed and guzzled the rest of his wine in three huge gulps. Guess I've got to go do some gross flirting. Wish me luck. Good luck, Remus said. He watched Benji approach and Hepzibah Smith's whole demeanor brightened at a handsome young man giving her attention. Remus had a feeling Benji wouldn't have any trouble securing a donation. Remus wandered through the exhibit hall until he reached a stretch of wall where a small throng of people were gathered. He stepped through the crowd to see what they were all looking at and reflexively put a hand to his heart when he saw what it was. Covering one long wall was a series of black and white portraits of people, many of whom looked very down on their luck. Despite that, every single one of them had a palpable beauty that Remus couldn't look away from. Each portrait had an extensive quote beneath it from the person who was photographed. He walked to the beginning of the exhibit to read the plaque and artist statement that hung on the wall but didn't need to read it to know whose photos he was looking at. Still, his heart swelled at the sight of the name. Home, by Sirius Black. Artist statement, this series captures moments in the lives of 17 unhoused people living in London during the fall of 2021. As each person shared their story, I was struck again and again by their beauty and eloquence. Homelessness carries a stigma and a barrier so heavy that it obscures even the most basic bits of someone's humanity. How often have you walked past a person asleep on the sidewalk as though they weren't even there? The camera strips that barrier away, and all you're left with is the person themselves, beautiful, open, afraid, smart, funny, arrogant, jealous, and every other human trait there is. Curators note, the Potter Black Foundation supported each of the portrait subjects in finding housing, healthcare, employment, and education. Remus felt his eyes prickle with happy tears. Sirius really was the most beautiful person Remus had ever seen, and his perfect face had very little to do with it. Fancy seeing you here. Remus smiled at that voice and turned around. Hello, handsome, he said. Chapter 5, Dog and Pony Show, The Gala Part 2 Hello, handsome yourself, Sirius said, returning Remus's smile with a radiant one of his own. Remus gazed up at him and tried to say something but couldn't. Sirius was too beautiful. Sorry, was that flirting? Sirius asked. I did say I wouldn't do that anymore. I think I'll let it slide this time, Remus managed to say. Gil had looked good in his tux, but serious in his was something beyond description. He had an effortless, easy elegance, with both hands casually hitched in his trouser pockets as though he was wearing jeans and a t-shirt, not an Armani tuxedo. Really, Remus, you look, you look absolutely stunning, Sirius said, his eyes not leaving Remus's face. And that's not flirting, that's just stating a fact. Thank you, Remus said, his voice barely above a whisper. They couldn't seem to look away from each other, 
and Remus felt all of the chatter of the room, the band, the clinking glasses, somehow go silent. Serious, I, I need to tell you that. Caviar Blini, a waiter intoned, dipping a silver platter in between them. They both jumped a little, and Remus felt stunned by the reminder that other people were in the room with them. No, thank you, Sirius told the waiter, and Remus also shook his head no. But at least the interruption had kept him from saying something that he needed to wait a little longer to say. Just until he talked to Gil. It was the right thing to do. Remus owed Gil that. You needed to tell me something? Sirius asked, searching Remus's eyes plaintively. Yeah, um, your portraits, Remus said. They're amazing. Thank you, Sirius said quietly, and Remus couldn't help but notice the tinge of disappointment in his voice. Why didn't you tell me about all this? You knew I was going to be here tonight, Remus said. I would have loved to hear more about them. I don't know. I wanted to, Sirius laughed a little, shrugging and shaking his head. But I didn't want to come off as boasting. I figured you'd see it eventually, and if you wanted to ask me about it you could. Sirius, I would never think you were boasting, Remus said. It's okay to be proud of the things you've made, and to share them with the people who. Remus stopped himself again before saying something foolish. With your friends, he finished. I'm just so proud of you, Sirius, and I'm really happy to be here with you tonight. With me? Sirius asked quietly, his gray eyes wide and hopeful. Remus didn't answer right away. His heart was beating hard and fast against his ribs. He looked up at Sirius. His lips were slightly parted, and a little strand of black hair had fallen from behind his ear. His breathing seemed shallow. Yes, Remus said. With you. Sirius's face broke into another radiant smile, and Remus felt lighter and happier than he had in years. I'm glad you're here, too, Sirius said. Especially since we seem to be the youngest people in this room by about fifty years. I think that one died already, Remus whispered, leaning close to Sirius's ear, and pointing to an elderly man who was asleep sitting up at one of the banquet tables. Sirius laughed under his breath. How is his monocle still on? Sirius whispered back. Maybe he glued it before he came, Remus said. Because he knew he'd be napping. Or dying, Sirius said, and they both dissolved. Sirius gripped Remus's upper arm and leaned his forehead onto Remus's shoulder. Sirius smelled incredible and Remus tried not to be so obvious about how much he relished breathing him in. Sirius's body shook with laughter, which only made Remus laugh harder, too. I think I'm going to pee a little, Remus said, and Sirius barked out a laugh, drawing looks from the people around them. Stop it, they'll kick me out, Sirius said through tears. Remus felt Sirius's cheek brush against his neck, his five o'clock shadow scratching against him and sending a delicious little shiver across Remus's skin. You started it. Remus said. No, you started it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, said a voice over a microphone. Remus shushed Sirius and elbowed him in the ribs, and Sirius broke into silent laughter again as a stern-looking woman in square spectacles and a tartan skirt suit addressed the crowd. 
Gil stood next to her and shot Remus and Sirius a dirty look. Remus took a deep breath, trying to compose himself. I'm Minerva McGonagall, director of the Godric's Hollow Museum of Fine Art. We're thrilled you could join us this evening to celebrate the official opening of the new Flamel Family Visual Arts Center. She paused to allow a smattering of applause. This occasion is thanks to the late Nicholas and Perenelle Flamel, whose generous bequest made the construction of this state-of-the-art edition possible. Now I'd like to welcome our Master of Ceremonies, Mr. Gilderoy Lockhart. The audience broke into applause again, and Remus looked at Sirius out of the corner of his eye. Sirius was clapping, too, but had stiffened visibly as Gil took the microphone from McGonagall's hand and launched into the same welcome remarks that Remus had heard him practicing in the car, his golden syrup voice smooth and cloying. Gil was incredible at commanding the crowd, and everyone in the room hung on his every word, even as he talked about things as mundane as sustainable concrete. Everyone except Remus. He couldn't stop stealing glances at Sirius, whose upper arm was pressed against his own. Among them, Godric's Hollow's own Sirius Black, whose photo series, Home, is the centerpiece of the new wing. Gil paused to allow for applause and for Sirius to join him at the front of the room. Sirius looked at Remus, who beamed at him and squeezed his hand. Sirius smiled back and laced their fingers together briefly before walking away. Remus looked back up at Gil who hadn't missed the intimate gesture between them. His toothy smile faltered, and his eyes darkened, but only for a split second. Because in the next moment he was smiling broadly again, clapping Sirius on the back, and handing him the microphone. Thank you, Gilderoy, Sirius said, his posh voice sounding even posher than Remus had ever heard it. He caught Remus's eye and gave him a little smile, and Remus felt his heart flutter, something he thought only happened in books. Sirius looked around at the crowd again and continued. And thank you all for being here and supporting this work. I'd like to take this moment to draw your attention to the Potter Black Foundation, which provides housing support, food relief, education, career coaching, healthcare, and financial literacy training to Britain's unhoused populations. Our annual fundraising gala is in December, and I hope to see many of you there. Thank you. Remus was stunned as he watched Sirius hand the microphone back to Gil, return his hands to his pockets, and lope back through the crowd. He hadn't mentioned a single thing about his work or himself. How was that, he whispered to Remus. Absolutely beautiful, Remus whispered back, unable to keep the adoring tone from his voice, and he wondered whether Sirius could hear it, too. I'm going to get some champagne, Sirius said, as Gil finished his remarks. Do you want some? Sure, thanks, Remus said. He sighed as he watched Sirius walk away. He'd made up his mind. He'd talk to Gil and end things tonight. He didn't care if it was reckless or too soon. He didn't care that he'd only known Sirius a week. He didn't need a pro-slash-con list to know that he could fall in love with Sirius Black and was probably already starting to. Remus. Benji grabbed his arm from behind and wheeled him around, looking and sounding frantic as he stared over Remus's shoulder with wide eyes. Remus turned around, trying to figure out what Benji was looking at. What? Remus asked. 
Did you have to do unspeakable things to Hepzibah Smith in the loo? Do you know Sirius Black? Benji breathed, gripping Remus's upper arm so tightly it was starting to hurt. Yeah, Remus said. Oh my god, why didn't you tell me? I don't know. He's gorgeous. Benji gushed. Please, tell me he's single. Yes, tell us, Remus. Remus looked up to see Gil standing next to them. How much of the exchange he'd heard, Remus didn't know. Well? Benji demanded. I don't know. Maybe, Remus stammered, glancing up at Gil before looking back at Benji. You have to introduce me, Benji said, his eyes widening hopefully. I don't know. Remus said, shaking his head. Unless you don't want to. Benji started, but Gil cut him off. Why wouldn't he want to? Of course Remus will introduce you, Gil said cheerfully. Remus looked helplessly at Gil. He had no intention of breaking up with him right here and now in front of all these people. It would be humiliating and so rude. He owed him a real conversation in private. He was contemplating just pulling Gil into the hallway when Benji gasped, his expression wild. Remus looked over his shoulder again to see Sirius walking back toward him with two flutes of champagne, his eyes darting between the three of them curiously. Oh my god, he's coming back, Benji breathed, releasing Remus's arm from his grip, and standing up straight, putting his shoulders back into what Remus recognized as his, trying to look tall and cool, posture. Here you, go, Sirius said, handing Remus one of the glasses of champagne. Thanks, Remus replied. He opened his mouth to speak but Gil beat him to it. Sirius, old chap, you're single, aren't you? Sirius glanced at Remus once before answering. Yeah, I am, he said tightly. Splendid, Gil replied. Remus wanted to introduce you to a friend of his. Did he? Sirius asked, arching an eyebrow, and looking at Remus. Remus clenched his jaw and stared at Sirius, trying to convey things with his eyes, but didn't answer until Benji elbowed him hard, making him inhale sharply. Yes, um, this is my friend, Benji Fenwick, Remus said, and Benji practically lunged himself at Sirius, offering his hand to shake. I've been such a fan of your work for so long, Benji said. The home series is brilliant, congratulations. Thank you, Sirius replied, looking at Remus again with unmistakable hurt in his eyes. Remus felt like he was going to cry or throw up or both. I'd love to take you out sometime, Benji said, a heavy tone of desire in his voice. We should all grab dinner together, Gil said suddenly. Tonight. Tonight? Remus said, alarmed. He had plans for tonight. Plans to end things with Gil. Yes tonight, Gil said smiling broadly. Your mum is staying over with Teddy tonight, there's no reason you have to be back home at any particular time. It could be a nice double date. A double date. That sounds fun. Benji said excitedly. He looked at Sirius. What do you think? Sirius hesitated, looking at Remus again, and Gil chose that moment to yank Remus into a messy kiss. 
Remus closed his eyes in surprise for a half-second and when he opened them, he saw Sirius watching them with a stony expression. Sure, Sirius said, giving Benji his most dazzling smile. I'd love to. Chapter 6, In the Doghouse Sirius supposed the scene would have been kind of funny in another circumstance. For men in tuxedos crowded into a round booth at a club that they didn't realize was hosting an 80s night until they walked in and sat down, only to be surrounded by people wearing flock of seagulls hairdos and mesh tops, and a DJ playing Wham and Cindy Lauper. Remus hadn't spoken since they left the museum, and now, he sat squished between Benji and Gil with his mouth clamped tightly shut, as though he was trying not to puke. Oh, I love this song. Benji said, as Karma Chameleon blared from the speakers. He leaned in close to Sirius and spoke in his ear. Do you? Yeah, it's great, Sirius replied, leaning closer to Benji, too. He looked up and saw Remus watching them. A waitress wearing a mini skirt and fishnets came by with a tray of shots, and Remus grabbed two of them and knocked them both back in rapid succession. Going to get a little crazy, tonight, darling? Gil asked eagerly. Remus just stared at him and didn't answer, looked back at Benji and Sirius cuddled together, and grabbed a third shot before the waitress left. Gil started nuzzling his neck and Sirius had to look away. I love this side of you, Gil said, and Sirius felt ill. He felt Benji's hand on his knee. The song had changed to Crazy for You by Madonna, a slow, mournful ballad full of longing. Would you like to dance? Benji asked. Sirius looked at him. He really was very cute, with a boyish charm, chocolate brown eyes, and an infectious smile. He glanced over at Gil, who was still attached to Remus's neck. Sure, Sirius said, and allowed Benji to take him by the hand and lead him away. He didn't turn around, but Sirius could feel the weight of eyes on his back. He and Benji reached the dance floor and folded into each other, swaying slowly to the music. Benji wrapped his arms around Sirius's neck and pressed tightly against him. So, how do you and Remus know each other? Benji asked. We adopted brother puppies on the same day, Sirius said, a small smile forming at the memory. And our sons have gotten to be friends, too. That's really sweet, Benji replied. Yeah, I suppose it is, Sirius said, trying to keep the sadness out of his voice. Remus had been honest with him from the beginning about being just friends. He didn't know why he kept getting his hopes up. Benji's arms felt nice around him, if only to make him feel a little less lonely. What about you two? Sirius asked. Me and Remus? We met at work, Benji said. I'm a professor in the art department. And did you two ever, date? Sirius asked hesitantly. Benji shrugged. We went out a couple of times, but nothing serious. We're just good mates now, he said. And what about him and Gil? Sirius asked before he could help himself. How did they meet? They met at the supermarket, Benji laughed. They were both reaching for the same melon. Like something out of a romantic comedy. Yeah, Sirius said. It was like something out of a romantic comedy, he thought sadly.
Are they very serious? Um, they seem to be, Benji said. But let's not talk about them. I'd rather focus on you. And he leaned up and kissed Sirius. His lips were soft and gentle, and Sirius felt Benji's tongue brush across his lower lip. It was nice. When Benji pulled away, he smiled sweetly. I've been wanting to do that all night, he whispered. You have? Yeah, Benji said, looking at him intensely. If you want to get out of here, just say the word. Sirius nodded. Would, um, Remus stay over at Gill's if we did, do you think? I guess, Benji said, frowning a little. I suppose. Right, Sirius said, nodding sadly. Benji gasped and stopped dancing. He took a small step back and looked at Sirius as though he was seeing him properly for the first time. Oh my god, he said, with a small smile. What? Sirius asked, and Benji laughed at him a little. You fancy Remus. Sirius's face fell. Am I that obvious? Yeah, you are, Benji said. Does he know? Kind of, Sirius replied. But I don't think he really knows how much. Oh, mate, I'm sorry, Benji said. If you want, I'll shag the daylights out of you anyway. Might take your mind off things a bit. It's tempting, but... Sirius's voice trailed off, and Benji just smiled. Finish the dance anyway, he asked. Sirius nodded and Benji put his arms back around his neck and rested his head on Sirius's shoulder. Tonight hadn't gone any way Sirius had planned at all. He couldn't even manage a pity shag from the cute guy attached to him. Sirius sighed and just kept dancing. When they got back to the table, Remus and Gil were gone. There's a rooftop bar, Benji said. Maybe they went up there. They finished their drinks and headed upstairs. The rooftop was pretty and lively, strung with fairy lights and overlooking the downtown. They had just made their way over to the crowded bar when Sirius heard a familiar voice that was smooth and cloying, like thick golden syrup. Yes, the rumors are true, Sirius overheard Gil saying. He looked over as stealthily as he could without drawing attention to himself through the crowd and saw Gil speaking to another man next to the bar. I can't believe someone finally tied down old Gilderoy Lockhart, the man said. Well, I don't know about tied down, Gil laughed. But my manager told me that if I wanted to go national, I need to be taken more seriously. So what better way to do that than to be in a relationship with a literature professor? Ah, instant credibility with the literati. Exactly. And Remus is perfect, Gil said. He's gorgeous but has no idea he's gorgeous, so I'm not worried about him cheating. He can carry on an intelligent conversation with people while they're waiting to talk to me, he looks fantastic next to me in photos, and he's a hell of a shag. All in all, I'd say he's a solid eight. He'd be a nine without the kid. Where is he now? Didn't you come upstairs with him? He's in the loo. I think he's getting sick, Gil said unconcernedly. Drank a little too much. Might make for a good night later, though, the man said, and Gil laughed. Don't I know it? Like I said, hell of a shag. 
Are you too exclusive then? the man asked. Well, he is, Gil said. As for me, I can't help who's a guest on my show. And I'm nothing if not a good host. They both snorted with laughter. Sirius and Benji looked at each other in disgust. Sirius felt his blood boiling. He wanted to pitch Gil right off the roof. Holy shit, Benji said, his eyes wide. He turned to look at Sirius, but Sirius was already pushing through the crowd and approaching Gil. He felt magnetized by anger. Ah, Black, Gil said as he saw Sirius. He glanced at Benji over Sirius's shoulder and dropped his voice, looking at him conspiratorially. Gonna get lucky tonight? Are you fucking kidding me? Sirius demanded, and Gil's eyebrows shot up. Did you strike out? Gil laughed. How'd you manage that? Fenwick seemed like a sure thing to me. How dare you talk about Remus like that? Sirius said. Oh, right, Gil said, nodding. I know you have some kind of little crush on him. Must be hard for you to watch him with me. You're a ten, and you know you're a ten, and you've never been turned down before, have you? Fuck off, Gil, Sirius said, but Gil just laughed humorlessly. I seem to have struck a nerve, Gil said, raising an eyebrow and sipping his gin and tonic. You and I are the same sort, Black. I spotted you a mile away. Come on, Sirius, Benji said in an undertone, appearing behind him and putting a hand on his arm. Why don't you listen to your consolation prize, and get the hell out of here, Gil said. Sirius, Benji said again, pulling his arm a little. He leaned in close to whisper so Gil wouldn't hear. We can go find Remus and take him home. Sirius stared at Gil for another second, then turned to look at Benji and nodded. All right, Sirius said, and they started to walk away, when Gil and the other man started talking again. Your boy's been gone a long time, the man said. Hope he's not too sick to have to have fun with later. Like that would stop me, Gil snorted. And before Sirius knew what he was doing, he had wrenched his arm out of Benji's grip, pushed the man out of his way, and punched Gil square in the mouth with a solid right hook. Gil swayed and hit the ground like a sack of rocks, and Sirius stood over him, his fist bleeding from the impact and his chest heaving. The people around him screamed, and within seconds, a pair of hands was grabbing Sirius's arms from behind and ushering him roughly down the stairs and out of the club, shoving him outside onto the pavements. Sirius. Benji said, rushing up to him. Are you alright? You two better get the hell out of here before we call the police, the bouncer said. But we left a friend inside, Benji protested. Not my problem. Your mate should have thought of that before he knocked that bloke's teeth out, the bouncer said. Now get out of here, and don't let me see you two fuckers again. Sirius and Benji both tried to call Remus's mobile phone but there was no answer. They paced outside the club for a few more minutes before the bouncer returned and demanded that they move away from the front door, so they crossed the street and kept waiting. Finally, Gil emerged, with his mobile phone in one hand and his other hand open and outstretched with his two bloody front teeth laying in his palm. He looked frantically up and down the road as though waiting for something. 
Sirius and Benji rushed back across the street when they saw him. I am so sick of your fucking face, Gil slurred at Sirius through his missing teeth. He looked apoplectic. Where's Remus? Sirius demanded. Why the fuck should I tell you? Gil barked. Because I'm his friend and I actually give a shit about him, Sirius said. You and your brat need to get some new fucking friends and stay the hell away from Remus, Gil said angrily. What did you just say to him? Sirius looked up and saw Remus standing on the stairs of the club. He was staring at Gil as though he'd like to knock the rest of his teeth out. A black car pulled up to the curb and Gil looked at Remus expectantly. The car's here, let's go, Gil said. I'm not going anywhere with you, Remus said. You don't fucking talk to him that way. Don't even look at him. What the hell are you on about? Gil demanded. Sirius is a million times the person you are, Remus spat at him. Please, Gil snorted. Like you can do any better than me. Remus strode over to Gil looking murderous, and Sirius was afraid he was going to punch him, too. Instead, Remus reached into Gil's outstretched hand, plucked his teeth out of it, and dropped them into the sewer. Enjoy doing your show without your fucking front teeth, Remus said. Now get in the car, and don't ever call me again. Gil looked at him with thunder in his eyes. You're going to regret this, he said. I highly doubt that, Remus replied with a bitter laugh. Fuck off. Yeah, fuck off. Benji said, and Sirius laughed a little despite himself. Gil looked between the three of them and got in the car. Sirius heard him say something to the driver about an emergency dentist appointment before slamming the door shut and driving away. Remus walked over to Sirius and threw his arms around him, pressing his face into Sirius's neck. Thank you, he said. He leaned back so he could look into Sirius's face. Are you alright? Yeah, I'm alright, Sirius said. Are you? Fine, Remus said, looking up at him adoringly. I planned on breaking up with him tonight. Not exactly how I expected it to happen, but... Remus stepped back, took Sirius's hand in his, and examined the bloody knuckles for a moment before turning his hand over, closing his eyes, and pressing his lips to Sirius's palm. Let's get you to the A.N.E., he said quietly, looking up at Sirius through his lashes with those beautiful amber eyes. I reckon you need to get stitched up. I'm gonna take off, Benji said awkwardly, taking a few steps backward. You seem like you're in good hands, Sirius. Remus stepped toward him and gave him a hug. Thanks for everything, Benji, Remus said. Sorry about tonight. Just another crazy date to tell the grandkids about someday, right? Benji said. He smiled at Sirius and gave him a hug, too. Go get him, Benji said, with a nod toward Remus, then walked away into the night. Sirius turned back to Remus who smiled at him wickedly. Well, you heard the man, Remus said. Go get him. Chapter 7, Double Dog Dare Mom. Tooth Fairy Tonight. Remus. What? Mom. The Tooth Fairy. You know, creepy little bugger who collects fallen teeth.
Remus. How did you know about that? Mom. What are you talking about? Remus. What are you talking about? Mom. Teddy. He lost a tooth. Mom. Who else would I be talking about? Myself? Remus. No, of course not, Mom, sorry. Remus. Thanks for letting me know. Mom. I'm just telling you in case you didn't have any money so you could stop for some on the way home. I only have a few pence and a tenner in my purse. Remus. Thanks, Mom, no problem. I've got a couple quid. Mom. Is everything alright? Are you having a good night? Remus. Oh, yes, everything is alright. The night has been very exciting. Mom. Glad to hear it. See you soon. Love you. Remus. Love you, too, Mom. Teddy lost a tooth. Looks like I've got to dust off my tooth fairy wings tonight, Remus said, smirking at Sirius as he put his phone into his back pocket. Should we pop over to Gill's and slip some money under his pillow, too? This is not my finest hour, Remus, Sirius said ruefully. Stop taking the piss. He was sitting on the edge of a gurney in a small room in the A.N.E. with a piece of gauze wrapped around his hand. Remus sat across from him on a blue vinyl chair while they waited for a doctor. Under the bright fluorescent lights, Remus could see flecks of drying blood staining Sirius's white tuxedo shirt. I'm sorry. I've just never seen someone throw a punch like that before. It was very sexy. Does violence turn you on? Is this something I need to know about you? No. You turn me on. Remus, I am in an A.N.E. with bleeding knuckles. Please don't make this more painful for me than it already is. Remus stood up and crossed the room. Can I make it up to you somehow, he asked in a low voice. He took a step closer and put a hand on each of Sirius's knees. I think that could be arranged. Do you have any ideas about how I might do that? Remus pushed Sirius's legs apart and stepped between them, their chests brushing together. Sirius looked up at Remus standing over him. I have several ideas. Remus ran his hands up the inside of Sirius's thighs, over his hips, and around his lower back, pulling their bodies closer. Do any of them involve me on my knees, begging for forgiveness? They may involve you on your knees, yes. Remus could smell cologne and sweat and blood. Sirius's eyes darkened, and his breathing grew heavy. Remus traced his fingers across Sirius's jaw, leaned down, and... Okay, Mr. Black, let's get you stitched up. Sirius closed his eyes and sighed as the doctor walked into the room, and Remus stepped back to let her get to work. They looked at each other without speaking while the doctor pulled on a pair of gloves and unwrapped the gauze from Sirius's hand. He winced as she applied numbing gel to the wound. I can give you something for the pain, she said, noticing his expression. It'll probably swell up quite a bit in the next few hours. People don't realize that throwing a punch hurts you as much as it hurts the other guy. Sirius just nodded. I don't often see tuxedoed fellows with bloody knuckles in here, 
the doctor said, as she cleaned the gash with antiseptic. Were you committing a bank heist with George Clooney? Yep, Sirius said. We made off with five million pounds. Good for you, she said idly. She looked at Remus over her shoulder. And what about you, she asked. Accessory to the crime? Getaway driver, Remus replied. The doctor nodded and proceeded to put three stitches into Sirius's hand. Sirius gritted his teeth each time the needle passed through his skin. All right, Mr. Black, you're good to go, she said cheerily when she finished, peeling off her gloves and dropping them in the bin. She handed him some papers. Here's your discharge paperwork with wound care instructions. There'll be a pain prescription waiting for you at your pharmacy. And when you get home, put an ice pack on your hand for 15 minutes. You should do that every hour. Thank you, Sirius said. Yeah, thanks, Remus echoed as she walked to the door. No problem. Enjoy your ill-gotten money. Oh, and one other thing, she said, looking between them with a raised eyebrow before fixing Sirius with a look. I recommend avoiding any strenuous activity for a few days. If you get my meaning. Remus and Sirius glanced at each other. Remus shoved his hands into the pockets of his tuxedo trousers. Got it, Sirius nodded, unable to keep the tone of disappointment out of his voice. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news, she said. Get home safe. Thanks, Sirius replied, and she left the room. Sirius slid off the gurney and walked over to Remus. Ready to get out of here, he asked. Remus nodded and slipped a hand into Sirius's uninjured one. Is this all right, he asked quietly, running a thumb across Sirius's fingers, and looking into his eyes. More than all right, Sirius murmured, and Remus felt his heartbeat quicken. They walked out of the exam room, down a hallway, and out the A&E's automatic sliding doors, pausing as they reached the pavements outside. Harry and Ziggy are staying over at my friend Marlene's house tonight, Sirius said, turning to Remus, his face glowing ethereally under the bright light of the street lamp. I'd love to invite you back to mine, but I'm not sure I could resist engaging in strenuous activity if I did. I know I couldn't, Remus replied, and felt Sirius's fingers tighten around his own. I need to get home anyway. Tooth fairy, remember? Ugh, don't mention teeth, Sirius said with a laughing groan, closing his eyes and leaning his forehead against Remus's shoulder. Sorry, Remus said. Sirius lifted his head slightly but didn't pull away. Instead, he pressed his stubbly cheek against the side of Remus's neck and twisted their fingers more tightly together. When he spoke, Remus could feel the ghost of his lips against his skin, the warm air making goosebumps erupt across his body. I wanted to kiss you the very first time I saw you, Sirius whispered. And every time I've seen you since. You're all I can think about. Even when you said you only wanted to be friends, I was fine with that, because it meant I could still be near you and talk to you. But I never wanted to break up your relationship. You didn't. Remus laughed against his neck. Well, maybe I did a little, Sirius admitted. But I'm still so sorry, Remus. Remus leaned back, and Sirius lifted his head. They stared at each other, 
gray eyes into amber, and Remus drank in every inch of Sirius's face, his eyes, his lips, his skin, his hair. How could he exist? He was so beautiful, inside and out. It radiated through him, like the brightest starlight. I'm not sorry, Remus replied. About any of it. I only wish I had said yes to dinner when you first asked. Because then I could have kissed you right away. And I would have kissed you a thousand times since then, and every chance I could get after that. Serious, I think. He stopped himself abruptly with an embarrassed half-laugh, leaned their foreheads together, and closed his eyes. Sirius let go of Remus's hand and brought the tip of his index finger to Remus's chin, tilting it upward so they were looking at each other again. Their bodies inched closer, until their legs and hips and chests were pressed together. Sirius felt strong and warm against him, and Remus wanted to sink into his skin. What is it? Sirius whispered, his fingers brushing down Remus's throat. It's silly, Remus said, as heat prickled up his neck. You can tell me, Sirius said. He ran the pad of his thumb across Remus's Adam's apple, and in that moment, Remus thought he might tell Sirius anything. He didn't need torture to break. Just Sirius's fingers stroking his skin. I think I could fall in love with you, Remus breathed, his voice trembling in his heart pounding at the confession. I think I've been waiting a long time for you. Remus searched Sirius's eyes for signs of hesitation or fear but found none. Instead, Sirius smiled and wrapped his hand around the back of Remus's neck. It felt perfect, like it was meant to be there. I know I've been waiting for you, Sirius sighed. And then, finally. Every nerve ending in Remus's body sparked and fired as Sirius's lips met his. They were soft and full, and their mouths slid together hungrily. Remus arched backwards and groaned as Sirius's tongue licked into his mouth and his teeth nipped against his lower lip. Remus wrapped his arms around Sirius's waist and pulled him close, feeling the kiss penetrate his heart, his lungs, his bones. He felt lightheaded and weightless, as though he'd float away or evaporate if Sirius ever let him go. He'd never, ever been kissed like this before, had never been held like this before, and had never wanted anyone so badly before. There was only one word for it. Magic. Remus pressed his hands against Sirius's back and slid them down the strong muscles flexing along his spine and over the curve of his arse. Sirius trembled under his touch and angled his hips toward Remus's, tilting his head back. Remus seized his chance to kiss and nip down the side of his neck. Sirius moaned and gripped Remus's shoulders, but a second later, let out a sharp cry. Ah, fuck, he said, pulling his hand away quickly. His eyes were closed, and he gritted his teeth in pain. Oh, my God, your poor hand, Remus gasped, gingerly kissing his wrist, his palm, his fingertips. It's only been ten minutes, and we already can't follow directions about strenuous activity. It was worth it, Sirius said, dipping down to kiss Remus again, and Remus felt his body melt once more. He gripped Sirius's hips, letting his fingers press into the firm flesh for another minute before pulling away. Sirius, you have to take it easy, Remus panted, 
putting a hand between them, and pushing against Sirius's heaving chest, sighing helplessly at the feeling of hard muscles under his fingers. What's worse? Not being able to kiss you, or only being able to kiss you? Sirius asked with a tormented laugh, as though his hand wasn't the only thing aching. If all I ever did was kiss you, I think I would still die a happy man, Remus said. Mm, me too, Sirius replied, kissing him again. But I would die much happier if I could also fuck you. Remus laughed and kissed him once more, slow and filthy. Ain't that truth, Remus said, pulling away and leaving Sirius breathing hard in his arms. Remus took a stumbling step back and shook his head a little, as though willing some of the blood in his groin to return to his brain. He looked at his watch. We could call an Uber, Remus said. But it's only 11.30. Want to walk? Walk it off, you mean, Sirius said with a naughty smile, looking down at the prominent bulge in Remus's trousers and hitching one finger into Remus's belt loop, yanking him forward. You should talk, Remus said, slotting his thigh against Sirius's straining cock. I can't wait to see what's under there. Sirius put both hands on Remus's hips and flexed his fingers but gasped at the pain again a second later, shaking his head as though he couldn't believe he kept forgetting. Okay, Remus, Sirius said in surrender. We need to talk about unsexy things now, please. Bowie shit on the kitchen floor the second morning he was home, Remus blurted out. And I stepped in it. In my socks. Which I threw away immediately. And then I scrubbed my foot with a bleach wipe, and my skin was itchy for the whole rest of the day. That was very unsexy, Sirius said, nodding appreciatively. Thank you. You're welcome. I aim to please, Remus replied. He took hold of Sirius's good hand. Ready? Sirius nodded, and they set off through the parking lot and onto the dark street. The next morning, Remus was just waking up to the memory of kissing Sirius goodnight on his front porch when his bedroom door flew open. Teddy ran into the room and jumped onto the bed. He pushed his pajama-clad legs under the blanket and burrowed down beneath the covers to snuggle into Remus's side. Hi baby, Remus said sleepily, wrapping his arms around Teddy's little body. Daddy, you're home. Teddy said, hugging him back. Guess what? The tooth fairy came last night. She did? Remus asked, sounding amazed. Daddy, my tooth fairy is a boy, Teddy said. Remember? Of course, Remus said. I forgot. All right, now let me see. Give me a smile. Teddy smiled up at his father, revealing one missing front tooth and Remus gasped dramatically. Teddy happily stuck his tongue through the hole. How will you take a bite of an apple? Remus asked in disbelief. I still have the other big tooth, Teddy reassured him very seriously. But it is wiggly already. We'll have to cut the apples into slices. Will you do it? I can't use the sharp knife yet. Of course, baby, Remus promised, kissing Teddy's forehead. Did the tooth fairy leave money under your pillow? Yeah. Two quid. Wow. Remus said. When I was little, my tooth fairy only left me fifty pence. 
Maybe teeth are bigger now, Teddy mused, his eyes wide. Maybe, Remus agreed, trying not to laugh. Daddy, can we watch Peppa Pig in bed for a little while? Definitely, Remus said. Can I brush my teeth and get coffee first? Okay, Teddy agreed, and a few minutes later, they were cuddling together, both of their heads on Remus's pillow, watching Peppa Pig and her family drive to the seaside in their bright yellow campervan. Daddy? Can we go camping? Teddy asked, putting his little hand into Remus's, and pressing his head against his shoulder. Sure, Remus said. But we'll have to use a tent. We don't have a campervan. That's okay, Teddy said. Could Harry, and Ziggy, and Sirius come with us, too? We could ask them, Remus said, remembering what his mother told him the night before about her conversation with Teddy. Daddy? Teddy continued quietly. Yes. Do you think Sirius could be your boyfriend? You know what honey? Remus said, kissing the top of his head again and inhaling his sweet little boy scent. I think that's a great idea. You do. I really do. Yay. Teddy said, hugging Remus around his middle, then resting his head on his father's chest to finish watching Peppa Pig. That night, Sirius, Harry, and Ziggy came over to play, and even though Remus's backyard wasn't the kids' fantasy land that Sirius's was, the boys and dogs had fun playing tag and running through the sprinkler for hours while Remus and Sirius tried their best not to touch each other. Sirius's hand had, indeed, swelled up and turned an ugly shade of purple around the knuckles. Does it hurt? Remus asked, tenderly touching the bruised skin with the tip of one finger. It doesn't feel good, Sirius replied. But it's fine. I'm more upset about, you know. He dropped his voice and looked over at Harry and Teddy, who were sitting a few feet away on the ground, coloring on the garden walkway with sidewalk chalk. My restrictions, he finished. It's all right, Remus reassured him with a quick peck on the lips. We can wait. I'm not going anywhere. I know. But I was thinking, Sirius said quietly, leaning closer to Remus, and putting a hand on his knee. The boy's first day of school is Thursday. What are the chances you can skive off work and spend the entire day with me? I'll be in the clear by then. Fall semester doesn't officially start until the week after, Remus considered. I have a couple meetings Thursday, but I could blow them off. He leaned forward, and dropped his voice, speaking right into Sirius's ear, and blow you instead. Sirius's fingers curled into Remus's knee at these words, and he bit his lower lip, hard. Harry? Sirius said in a strained voice. Remus and I need to go into the house for a minute. Can you be a big boy and stay in the backyard with the puppies? Sure, Patty, Harry assured him solemnly. Thanks, Harry, Sirius said. I'll be a big boy, too, Teddy promised, looking up at Sirius eagerly. I know you will, Sirius replied, ruffling Teddy's hair. We'll be right back. And he grabbed Remus by the wrist and pulled him inside, slamming the door behind him with his foot, and pushing Remus against the wall, making the picture frames hanging there rattle a little. Remus huffed out a surprised and delighted laugh and grabbed Sirius by his t-shirt collar, 
yanking him into a searing hot kiss. Fuck, Remus, Sirius said into his mouth between kisses. You can't say things about blowing me without this happening, alright? Thanks for the warning, Remus said, pushing his hands into the back pockets of Sirius's shorts and squeezing the firm muscle underneath. But maybe this is exactly the punishment I was hoping for. Sirius groaned and slid a knee between Remus's legs, wrapping one arm around Remus's waist and tugging him in close before kissing him again. It was overwhelming, the feeling of Sirius's hand curving around his lower back and pulling his hips forward, and Remus keen from the back of his throat as Sirius's burning lips and tongue had their way with him. Oh my god, Remus whined, threading his fingers through Sirius's hair and closing them into a loose fist, tugging gently and making soft moans escape Sirius's mouth, even as it continued its exploration along Remus's jaw and neck. Remus's fingers found the waistband of Sirius's shorts and was just tracing along his hip bones when they heard the twisting doorknob behind them and jumped apart. Patty? Harry asked, standing in the doorway and looking around at Sirius. Yeah, Prongslet. Sirius asked, trying to hide his obvious interest in Remus behind a kitchen chair. Ziggy's digging a hole in Remus's flowers, Harry said. Thank you, Harry, Remus said. Go back outside, Sirius told Harry. We'll be right behind you. Harry turned and headed back into the backyard. Sirius looked at Remus with a pained sigh and spoke in a voice that sounded nearly broken. I think I need to run through your sprinkler, he whimpered. The rest of the week continued in much the same fashion, Sirius trying to work Remus's zipper open while Teddy and Harry watched TV in the next room before clenching his bruised and stitched hand in pain, Remus's fingers wandering up Sirius's shorts under a blanket during movie night, only to have Teddy, Harry, and the dog surprised tackle them in a fit of giggles, kissing in the bathroom until Teddy pounded on the door and screamed that he was doing the potty dance and needed to come in now. And Remus accidentally kneeling on Sirius's hand while he was straddling him on the couch and nearly busting one of the stitches. This is torture, Sirius sighed into Remus's shoulder. It really is, Remus agreed. Remus had decided not to wank all week in solidarity with Sirius, and as a result, when Wednesday night rolled around, they were both nearly climbing the walls with pent-up desire and frustration. Remus kissed Teddy goodnight, tucked Bowie into his crate, and settled into bed. He grabbed his phone off the side table and saw a text from Sirius. He read it once, then twice, and felt his cock twitch and his breath quicken. It was only one word, but it was enough. Tomorrow. Chapter 8, Unleashed All right, Harry, smile and say. Year 3. Year 3. Harry threw his shoulders back proudly and stood as tall as he could on the front steps of their house, wearing an enormous backpack that looked almost comically big on his skinny body. He gave Sirius a wide, cheesy smile with two new front teeth that were just starting to peek out from his gums. His black hair was messy, his wire-rimmed glasses slightly askew, and his red and gold school tie was a bit too long for him, but it only added to the adorable picture. He was just so cute. And no matter how many times he'd seen him in it, Sirius couldn't get enough of Harry in his school uniform. Ziggy circled Harry's feet, barking happily, and Harry scooped him up, 
closed his eyes, and buried his face in his fur, just like he'd done the day they'd adopted him, and just like he'd done every day since. Sirius snapped another bunch of pictures, because how could he not? Can Ziggy walk to school with us? Of course. Sirius said, clipping the puppy's lead onto his collar and putting out a hand. Ready? Yes. Harry said. He jumped off the top step with a flourish, slipped his little hand into Sirius's, and they set off down the sidewalk to walk the three blocks to Hogwarts Primary School with Ziggy excitedly sniffing the grass and running as far ahead as his lead would allow. Are you excited for your first day? Sirius asked as they walked. I'm excited to see Ron. Harry said, skipping a little. And Hermione. Hermione can tell you all about France, Sirius said. And I can tell her all about Ziggy. And Teddy. And Remus. Harry said excitedly. Remus? Sirius asked, a little surprised that Harry would want to tell his friends about a grown-up. Yeah. Harry said, skipping again. He's so funny, and he pushes me higher on the swings than anyone, even you. And I want him to be my daddy. So I can be brothers with Teddy, and we can both have a daddy and a patty. And he let go of Sirius's hand and went sprinting down the street, his backpack bouncing against his back and Ziggy running eagerly alongside. Stop and wait for me at the edge of the curb to cross the street. Sirius called after him. Okay. Harry yelled back. I want him to be my daddy. Well, those weren't words Sirius was expecting to hear this morning. They filled him with a strange and wonderful feeling, and he could very clearly see the four of them living in a sweet domestic bliss, making pancakes on Sunday mornings, having weekly popcorn and movie nights, and taking family holidays together. He could even picture himself taking care of Teddy when he was sick and Remus cuddling with Harry in the middle of the night after a bad dream. And the best part of the picture? Sharing a bed with that beautiful, golden man and waking up with him every single morning. He couldn't wait to know what Remus looked like while he slept and what his voice sounded like when he first woke up. He even couldn't wait to witness Remus being a jerk before coffee, as he had called himself. Somehow, Sirius didn't believe that was true, and if it was, it was probably mostly funny and charming, like everything else about him. Sirius wasn't usually such a romantic idealist and had never pictured himself settling down with anyone before, even during his most serious long-term relationship. He and Caradoc had been together for five years, for before losing James and Lily, and one after. After James died and Sirius adopted Harry, Caradoc couldn't handle Sirius's new emotional fragility, and moreover, had no desire to be a father. They were both 26 when Harry came into their lives, and Caradoc decided that he was too young to be tied down by an orphan baby and a morose boyfriend he barely recognized anymore. Looking back, Sirius supposed he couldn't blame Caradoc, even though he felt angry and abandoned at the time. For four years, their relationship had been built on wildness, danger, and fun, parties, pubs, sex, cruising through the streets of London on Sirius's motorbike and as little responsibility as they could manage. But when James died, all of that came crashing down, and Sirius was not only consumed by grief, but also by his unending devotion to Harry. 
choosing between Harry and Caradoc was easy because there was no choice. It was always going to be Harry. In the end, what really should have surprised Sirius was that Caradoc stuck around for as long as he did. For a whole year after James and Lily died. A whole year of being woken up at 2 a.m. by a crying baby or a crying boyfriend, or sometimes, usually, both. A whole year of Sirius's motorbike collecting dust in the garage, of turning down party invitations and pub nights. A whole year of realizing that he didn't love Sirius the way he thought he did. At least not this version of him. And finally, a whole year of slowly spending fewer and fewer nights at their shared flat. Their relationship finally imploded for good one year and two weeks, 381 days, actually, after James and Lily's death. Caradoc came home at 3 o'clock in the morning after being MIA for four days. He was drunk, noisy, and not alone. Harry immediately woke up from the sounds of heavy footfalls and loud voices and started crying inconsolably. Sirius stumbled, livid and exhausted, into the living room, with a bawling toddler on his hip and an empty duffel bag in his fist. He threw the bag at Caradoc and told him to get his shit and get out. What gutter did he scrape you out of? Sirius demanded of the rangy-looking man who was now standing awkwardly in his living room while Caradoc stuffed a few essentials into the duffel bag in their bedroom. The man wisely didn't answer. Doc, he called over Harry's red-faced screams. You almost done. Yep, Caradoc said, emerging from the bedroom with the bulging, hastily packed duffel bag flung over his shoulder and his heavy combat boots thunking down the hallway. I'll come back for the rest of it tomorrow, Caradoc told Sirius. Don't, Sirius said. Just text me where to send it. Don't be stupid, Sirius, Caradoc said. Do you know how expensive that'll be? A small price to pay for not having to see you ever again, Sirius spat, watching with savage satisfaction the way his words stung the man he'd shared his life with for five years. Get the fuck out of here and take your scummy little boy toy with you. You know what, Sirius? Fuck you, Caradoc said. I tried, okay. I really did. But it's been a year and you're still a fucking mess. Sorry if I want my life back. Just leave, Sirius said, opening the door and standing aside to let them out. He was more tired than anything at this point. Just please fucking go. Fine, Caradoc said. And he did. Sirius didn't cry. He'd known true heartbreak, and this didn't even come close. He just went back to bed, bringing Harry with him, and fell immediately to sleep. Within a month he had broken his lease on his flat and bought a house with a big backyard in Godric's Hollow, a large suburb of London. He never saw Caradoc again. He didn't miss him. He dated over the years, quite a lot, actually, but nothing ever stuck, at least not for long. Harry had met only one boyfriend aside from Caradoc a man by the name of Gideon Pruitt who Sirius dated for about eight months when Harry was four. Gideon was very nice. Quiet. Responsible. Boring. So, so fucking boring. At first, Sirius thought Gideon was the antidote to Caradoc, but in reality, he just put Sirius to sleep. His voice was like a metronome, 
his personality like a glass of warm milk. Even the sex was formulaic, reliable, yet unvaried. Sirius learned that you could get off without actually getting off. Caradoc was dangerous and unpredictable, but Gideon was just damned dull. Sirius needed someone who was a little bit of both, dependable and exciting, kind, but with an edge. Someone who could keep him on his toes but would never keep him guessing. He was starting to think such a person didn't exist. But now. Look, there's Teddy. Harry shouted, jumping up and down and waving as Remus, Teddy, and Bowie rounded the corner. Teddy looked a lot more nervous than Harry did. It was not only his first day of school, but his first day at a brand new school in a new town. When Teddy saw Harry, he looked visibly relieved. Hi. Teddy said with a grateful sigh, waving but not releasing the tight grip he had on Remus's hand. Teddy, do you want to take Bowie's lead and walk with Harry and Ziggy? Remus asked. No, Daddy, I want to stay with you, he said quietly, looking up at Remus with big, nervous eyes. Okay, Remus said, not pushing or asking any more questions. Remus could clearly tell how nervous Teddy was. Morning, sunshine, Sirius said to Remus, greeting him with a quick kiss. Good morning indeed, Remus replied with an arched eyebrow and cheeky smile that sent desire and anticipation rippling through Sirius's stomach. So, Remus, do you have any plans today? Sirius asked as they all made their way toward the school. Oh, I have big plans, Remus replied. Yeah. How big? Sirius asked, and he saw Remus smirk out of the corner of his eye. Pretty big, actually. Certainly bigger than average, Remus replied casually, and Sirius tripped a little on the sidewalk. Careful, pad foot. Harry said, and Remus burst out laughing. Yeah, careful, pad foot, Remus said. Don't want you injuring anything else before I have a chance to unleash my very big plans. How much bigger than average? Sirius asked in an undertone, unable to stop himself. Well, I've never actually measured my plans, Remus said. But I promise, they're always well laid. Yes, Remus was exactly the kind of person Sirius had been looking for. A few minutes later, they arrived at the school, where throngs of kids and parents were hugging and kissing each other goodbye while the teachers were lined up on the lawn, holding large pieces of decorated poster board with their names on them. Teddy looked around, wide-eyed, and continued to grip Remus's hand. Remus crouched down so he and Teddy were at eye level, and Sirius felt his heart melt a little as Teddy threw his arms around Remus's neck and pressed his face into his shoulder. You're going to have such a fun day, Ted's, Remus said, running his wide palm up and down Teddy's back. And look, there's Mrs. Sprout. She's waving to you. Teddy lifted his head off his father's shoulder and looked up to see a kind-faced teacher in a pretty sunflower print dress smiling and waving at him. But it wasn't until Harry arrived at Teddy's side with Ron and Hermione that the little boy finally started to relax. This is Ron and Hermione, they're my best mates. Harry told Teddy before turning to his friends. Teddy is my friend, but he's kinda basically almost my brother, too, Harry told them matter-of-factly. 
Remus looked up at Sirius from his crouched position on the ground and mouthed the words, Oh my God, over Teddy's shoulder with wide eyes and a little smile. Sirius just laughed and shrugged, feeling the same surprised happiness that Remus did. I had Sprout last year, Ron told Teddy sagely. She's all right. She's brilliant. Hermione said, her brown eyes bright and eager. Come on, Teddy, you can meet our friend Luna. She's in your year, and she has Mrs. Sprout, too. Harry said. She's crazy, Ron said, nodding appreciatively. You'll love her. Bye, Daddy. Teddy said, hugging Remus one more time and looking much happier than he did a few minutes ago. Bye Ted's, have a great day. Remus said, wrapping his arms around Teddy's waist and kissing the top of his head. Love you. Love you, Daddy, Teddy said, and kissed Remus on the cheek. Bye Patty, Harry said, giving Sirius a cursory hug. He wasn't in year two, after all, the hug seemed to say. Then he ran off with Teddy, Ron, and Hermione toward their teachers. Remus and Sirius watched them go, standing shoulder to shoulder, their arms brushing together slightly. They didn't say anything, but Sirius took Remus's hand as Teddy disappeared into the school with the rest of his class behind Mrs. Sprout. He'll be fine, Sirius said quietly, rubbing small circles across Remus's knuckles with his thumb. I know, Remus said with a sigh. He turned to look up at Sirius. I'm so glad you're here, he said. Me too, Sirius replied. They stood watching the empty doorway for another few seconds before wordlessly turning and walking back to Sirius's house, still hand in hand. I've never actually done the school drop-off with anyone before, Remus said quietly, and Sirius squeezed his hand. Normally I'd be in tears right now. I'd go home, look at baby pictures, wonder how time moves so fast, cry some more, be late for work. But today. He turned to look up at Sirius with pure adoration. I just want to go back to yours and fuck your brains out. I'm glad to be of service to you, Sirius choked, trying not to break into a run to get home as fast as possible. And I, my darling, cannot wait to be of service to you, Remus said. I normally top because, well, people tend to really like it when I do that. But I'm a switch at heart, and I will fuck or get fucked any way you want me to. Sirius had lost the ability for human speech, and just nodded as Remus continued talking about fucking him as though he was discussing what pizza toppings to get. But today, Remus continued, giving a sweet smile and a casual wave to Mrs. Fig across the street as she let her cats outside. Unless you have any objections, I think I'd like to swallow down your dick until you think you can't take it anymore and then fuck you senseless in every room of your house. I have no objections. I didn't think you would. Walking was now becoming an awkward task, and Sirius climbed his front porch steps with some difficulty. He tried and failed to push his key into the lock three times, fumbling and missing again and again. Finally, Remus took the key out of his hand, pushed it into the hole with a single, sure thrust, and twisted his wrist, clicking the door unlocked without breaking eye contact with Sirius. Remus tucked the keys back into Sirius's front trouser pocket, letting his fingers graze along Sirius's already aching cock with an evil smile.
Sirius just stood there, staring at him, unable to move. Open the door, Sirius, Remus said quietly, and Sirius obeyed, his breath coming in shallow gasps and his hands trembling. Now get in the house, Remus continued. And take off your trousers before I rip them off of you. Chapter 9, Top Dog Remus Lupin is a sweet person. He's soft, gentle, and kind. He's Teddy's daddy. Kisser of scraped knees and banisher of bad dreams. His arms give the most comforting hugs, his chest makes the comfiest pillow, and his hands bake the yummiest cookies. He's also fucking the daylights out of Sirius for the third time in as many hours, making him see stars, making him see comets, making him see entire constellations, making him believe in deities he's never even heard of. He is pinning Sirius's wrists over his head with one huge hand while gripping the underside of his thigh with the other. He is working his hips in a way that shouldn't be anatomically possible, but Sirius's brain is too foggy to consider the mechanics of that right now. All Sirius knows is that he will be unable to walk, to speak, to do anything except worship at the feet of Remus Lupin from now until the end of time. When Gil called Remus a hell of a shag, Sirius thought he was being crude and vulgar. Now he thinks Gil was purposely underselling Remus, because good fucking Christ in heaven, Sirius has arrived at kingdom fucking come. Sirius swiftly and eagerly obeyed the command to take off his trousers the moment they walked into the house. Remus watched him do it with a gaze so hot that Sirius actually blushed. And Sirius Black does not blush. He makes people blush. But today, his cheeks flushed a fiery pink as Remus watched him pull off his trousers and t-shirt with the careful, stalking eyes of a predator. Fuck, Sirius, I am going to make you forget your name, Remus said, and dropped to his knees. Sirius's rigid erection tented his boxers and pre-cum darkened the fabric with a wide patch of wetness that Remus made wider and wetter by mouthing eagerly over the thin cotton, tracing the whisper edge of his teeth delicately and dangerously along the stiff outline of Sirius's cock. Remus wrapped his wide palms around the back of Sirius's knees and ran them up his thighs, rough calluses scraping against tender skin. When his hands reached Sirius's arse they pulled gently, drawing his hips forward, and Sirius whimpered as Remus sucked the head of his still-clothed cock into his mouth, massaging it through the fabric with his lips. Oh, God, Sirius moaned. It should not feel this good already. The wet fabric rubbed against the soft, oversensitive tip as Remus's hot mouth suckled and teased, giving, but not giving quite enough. It felt maddening, taunting, that thin layer of thread the only thing separating Sirius from the slick, wet heat of Remus's mouth. Remus looked up at him deviously with lust-darkened eyes as he ran his fingertips underneath the waistband of Sirius's boxers and pulled them down just until they hit the thick base of Sirius's cock, where they stopped abruptly, rubbing along the top of his shaft. Remus's mouth released the wet fabric and turned upward, pausing once to nose at the thick black hair there, before arriving at the hollow around Sirius's hip bones, where he sucked and nipped at whatever flesh he could work between his lips and teeth. The soaked cotton cooled quickly, leaving Sirius's dick aching for more warmth, and feeling all the more desperate knowing that Remus's tongue was right there, swirling and licking so close to where he needed it. 
Remus palmed under Sirius's balls through his boxers with one hand and massaged his arse with the other, his fingers ghosting into the cleft ever so slightly. Sirius was already a whimpering, writhing mess, and hadn't even taken his boxers off yet. Remus, please, he muttered. Please, what, baby? Remus asked coyly against Sirius's skin, the low rumble of his voice sending shockwaves through his muscles and up his spine. Please, I need you. You need me. But I'm right here, Remus rasped, biting gently into the top of Sirius's thigh, and swirling his tongue against the aching spot where his teeth had been. Need you more, Sirius murmured, desperate, helpless. Like this? And in one fluid motion, Remus released Sirius's cock from its cloth restraints and plunged it into his mouth, the searing, wet heat sudden and overwhelming, and Sirius gasped. His hands scrabbled for purchase against something, anything, but found only air, they were still standing in the middle of the front entryway. Remus reached up without releasing Sirius's cock from his mouth and grabbed Sirius's wrists, directing his hands to the back of his own head, and pushing them against it, giving Sirius wordless permission to use his mouth and throat any way he liked. Sirius's fingers twisted around Remus's soft curls, and his fingernails scraped his scalp, pulling a low moan from Remus's throat which reverberated through his own body. The sound and vibration acted like a sharp spur, stirring something feral and wild in his gut, and Sirius pushed his hips forward, fucking into Remus's mouth. Remus received him eagerly, scrabbling on his knees to get closer still and pulling against Sirius's arse to urge his cock deeper. Sirius felt the tip of his dick hitting the back of Remus's throat and Remus's slippery tongue pushing relentlessly upwards to press against the sensitive vein that passed over it with every thrust. Remus let out little moans of pleasure as he knelt at Sirius's feet, and soon Sirius realized that Remus had added one of his own fingers, and then another, into his mouth, teasing the slick, silky skin of his cock as it moved in and out. It was so much sensation all at once, Remus's tongue, his mouth, his throat, his fingers, that Sirius felt himself on the knife's edge, and his movements became sharper and more desperate. Remus withdrew his fingers and slid them under and behind Sirius's balls until they reached the tight ring of muscle he was looking for. He pushed and teased, and Sirius felt himself close, so close, the wave rolling and cresting faster and faster, until Remus slid the tip of one slick finger just inside, pressed against his perineum with his thumb, and the wave broke. Fuck. Sirius came with a sharp cry, and his thighs tensed as his orgasm pulsed and stuttered through him. Remus's mouth didn't relent. He wrapped his fingers around Sirius's shaft to work out every last drop of cum as it spilled down his throat. Remus swallowed, stroked, and licked until Sirius had to pull away, the sensation too much to take on his overstimulated cock. Remus looked up at him from the floor, his hair a mess, his chin slick and shiny, his lips red, swollen, and used, but his eyes still dark and hungry. And then he smirked. He actually smirked, and Sirius thought he might die, just keel over onto the floor from sheer lust. It's okay, Sirius thought hazily. I've had a good run. Remus stood up, pressing hot, open-mouthed kisses along Sirius's thighs, his stomach, his chest, his shoulders, his throat, as his own cock strained against his trousers. Sirius was panting and trembling, 
unsure how he was still upright, as Remus's thick fingers curved around the back of his neck and pulled him into a messy, searing kiss. He could taste himself on Remus's tongue, bitter and salty and sweet, and he groaned with exhaustion and somehow, more desire. Oh, Remus, Sirius sighed into his mouth, and felt Remus's lips quirk into a self-satisfied smile. Was that good, baby? Remus asked softly, peppering Sirius's neck with kisses. Sirius could do little more than whimper in reply as his eyes fluttered shut. Stay with me, Sirius, Remus whispered into his ear. I am not even close to being finished with you yet. Sirius nodded wordlessly, feeling drunk and fuzzy, and Remus took him by the hand and led him upstairs into his own bedroom, guiding him gently onto the bed. Sirius was naked, but Remus was still fully clothed and standing in front of him as Sirius sat on the edge of the mattress. Remus cupped Sirius's face, and kissed him, soft and slow, running his fingers underneath his jaw, and Sirius felt his clouded mind zero in on the base desire to feel Remus's hot skin against his. His fingers found the bottom edge of Remus's t-shirt and pulled it up over his head. Sirius plunged his mouth against Remus's chest, tracing his tongue around his nipples, as he unzipped Remus's flies and pulled down his trousers and boxers together. Remus's thick, heavy cock bobbed free, and Sirius groaned at the glorious sight of it. Remus's trousers were barely around his knees, but Sirius dipped forward impatiently to take Remus into his mouth, unable to fit all of him down his throat, not even close, but trying mightily anyhow. Remus threaded his fingers through Sirius's silky black hair, breathing hard. God, I want to fuck you so badly, he said. The first day we met, when you texted me and said I would dream about you, I haven't been able to stop thinking about what it would be like ever since. It was an effort to pull away from Remus's beautiful cock, but Sirius did. Now, he said in a wet, broken voice, and Remus grinned down at him. Impatient? Remus asked. Very, Sirius said, watching Remus kick out of his shoes, trousers, and boxers until he, too, was naked at last. Remus's body was gorgeous, lean, ropey muscles and golden tan skin covered in a delicate tapestry of white scars, some razor thin, others thicker, jagged, and shiny, that threaded across his right shoulder, arm, torso, and leg. Sirius's eyes raked over him, and his fingers traced reverently over Remus's skin. My God, Remus, you're so beautiful, Sirius sighed, and Remus tensed. Sirius looked up at him, and for the first time that day, he looked hesitant. Sirius got up on his knees so that he and Remus were at eye level and leaned their naked bodies together, holding Remus's face gently. Don't you believe me? Sirius asked, gazing into those liquid honey-brown eyes. I never did, until you looked at me, Remus said, and Sirius kissed him again, resolving to make him believe it all the time. You look at me like the sun shines out of my arse. Turn around, I'll tell you if it does, Sirius said, and Remus grinned, shaking his head indulgently, and turned around as Sirius lowered himself onto his stomach for a better look. Just as I thought, Sirius said, grabbing Remus's hip bones and yanking him backwards. Fucking sunshine. Sirius nipped and kissed across Remus's arse, but Remus just laughed, turned back around, and rolled Sirius over onto his back 
pressing a long, filthy kiss into his mouth as he guided his head toward the pillows and climbed on top of him. Sirius sighed into it longingly, feeling his cock twitch back to life at the heavy, satisfying weight of Remus's body on his own. Their lips and tongues slid together as they moved against each other, and Sirius had the fleeting idea that he could be happy like this all day, just lazily kissing Remus and feeling his hard, firm muscles flexing against him and his wide hands running up and down his back. But of course, Remus had other plans. Don't go anywhere, he said, leaning over the side of the bed to reach into his trouser pocket to pull out condoms and a small bottle of lube. Of course you came prepared, Sirius said, impressed. Remus just quirked an eyebrow and shrugged, settling on top of Sirius, who slid his legs open to let Remus lay between his thighs and kiss him some more while his hand found his arse cheeks, sliding a slippery finger between them. Sirius vaguely wondered whether Remus was some kind of wizard, when did he even open the bottle of lube, but any other thoughts were blown from his mind as Remus slid his finger over and around his entrance, mimicking the movements of his mouth and tongue, before pushing inside in one, slow, smooth motion. He was so unhurried and totally focused, as though the only thing in the world worth paying attention to was right in front of him. God damn, he was good at this. Sirius moaned against Remus's mouth as he pulsed his finger in and out, then added another, working him open with careful devotion. He crooked his fingers upwards, but only slightly, grazing against his prostate with feathery, teasing touches that drove Sirius crazy. He pushed down on Remus's hand as their kisses got messier and more desperate. Remus kissed across his face and down his neck, latching onto the tender spot where Sirius's neck and shoulder met and working a bruise into his skin, licking and sucking insistently in time with his fingers. He added another finger, and this time, curled them deliberately and pointedly, and Sirius's back arched into it with a desperate cry as an electric current of pleasure coursed through him. He felt his orgasm building again, how? After that first one, and now, again, with his cock totally untouched, and his breathing grew ragged as he pushed harder against Remus's hand, chasing that wonderful feeling. But just as he was about to tumble over the edge, Remus pulled him back from it, dragging his fingers against his prostate one more time before withdrawing them altogether. Sirius made a sound that was, frankly, undignified, but he'd save feeling embarrassed about it for later because why, why, why wasn't Remus still inside him? He vaguely heard the sound of a condom wrapper ripping and a second later, felt Remus lowering himself on top of him again. He spoke against Sirius's neck, his warm breath and the light touch of his lips sending goosebumps down his arm. I want to look at you, he said. But if you'd be more comfortable on your stomach. No, Sirius cut him off. He wrapped his hands around Remus's shoulders and pulled him down to keep him exactly where he was. Please, I want you like this. I want to hold you. I want to feel you. He looked up into Remus's face, which was broken with sweetness as he stared, with awe, into Sirius's eyes. Remus smiled gently and nodded, then leaned down to kiss Sirius in a way that felt different and even better than before, slow and intense, with something like love behind it, and again, Sirius felt himself getting lost in the kiss alone, not needing anything else except the feeling of Remus's tender lips on his. Then Remus sat back, lined himself up, and pushed himself inside Sirius, 
and the foolish notion that he'd need only kissing was obliterated. No, he needed this too, serious thought. This, desperately this, for all time. He held his breath as Remus paused halfway in, leaning down to press a gentle kiss to his forehead. Doing okay? Remus asked. Sirius just nodded breathlessly and moved his hands onto Remus's arse, encouraging him to keep going, to fill him completely. Remus obliged, pushing the rest of the way in and they both groaned as Remus's hip bones met Sirius's warm skin. Remus propped himself up on his forearms and kissed Sirius deeply as he started to move, rolling his hips slowly, pushing in and out with gentle thrusts that went steadily deeper each time until he was snapping his hips with a force and precision that made Sirius's mind go white and sparkly. Without even slowing down, Remus put a hand underneath the back of Sirius's thigh and pushed it upward, angling his knee toward the ceiling to plunge himself even deeper, and before Sirius even realized what was happening, he was spilling, untouched, onto his stomach with Remus's name on his lips. Remus bent down to kiss him without pulling out and slowed his thrusting to a stop even though he was still rock hard. Sirius could have cried with relief that he wasn't depriving him of that full feeling just yet. Finally Remus pushed in once more, then pulled out slowly, making Sirius tilt his head back and whine at the loss. His eyes were shut, but he felt Remus get off the bed and heard him walk down the hall to the bathroom. He opened his eyes to the sight of Remus gently cleaning his stomach and chest. The condom was off, and his painfully hard cock rested on Sirius's hip. Get over here, now, Sirius slurred, sitting up to grab Remus's thighs and pulling him insistently until he'd walked himself on his knees to the head of the bed, settling his legs on either side of Sirius's head. Sirius laid back against the propped-up pillows and pressed into Remus's inner thighs with his hands, urging his legs apart, then reached around to grab his arse, pulling his hips forward and capturing his cock in his mouth. He looked up at Remus's beautiful body on top of him, his head tilted in ecstasy, his back arched gracefully, and his hips moving up and down as he fucked into Sirius's mouth, and Sirius couldn't help the surge of pride at how he was making this absolute god come undone. Sirius worked his fingers into the cleft of Remus's arse, pressing and teasing into it with one hand, and reaching up to grip the slippery base of Remus's cock with the other, and it only took a few pumps until Remus was coming hard down Sirius's throat and yelling his name. Sirius held onto him, sucking and pumping him through it, and didn't stop suckling at Remus's cock, even after Remus had leaned forward to rest his forehead against the headboard over Sirius's head. Finally Remus sat up, drawing his softening cock out of Sirius's mouth, and making Sirius nearly cry at the loss of it. Remus slid down to lay next to him on the bed and slipped one of his thick fingers into Sirius's mouth, which he received gratefully, sucking it hard and feeling his own cock feebly start to show interest again. Remus withdrew his finger and ran it along Sirius's wet and swollen lower lip before leaning down to press a sweet, slow kiss there. Sirius's eyes shut and Remus kissed each of his eyelids, his cheek, his neck, his shoulder, before they rolled to their sides and wrapped their arms and legs around each other, slowly kissing just because they wanted to, and because it felt so good. And it wasn't long before Remus had Sirius's wrists pinned over his head, a leg thrown over one shoulder, and a sure hand pumping him to completion once more. Sirius tightened purposely and bared down and within seconds, Remus was spilling into him too, 
finishing with one, last mighty thrust that had them both crying out together. They lay, desperately and happily spent, for a long time, before forcing themselves into the shower, where they kissed some more, but sweetly and for no other reason than to be close to each other, then headed back to Sirius's bedroom. Sirius put fresh sheets onto the bed, and they climbed back into it, tangling up in each other and reveling in the feeling of their warm limbs pressed together. It felt lovely and indulgent to be laying in bed next to a gloriously naked Remus on a weekday afternoon, and Sirius couldn't stop himself from pressing kisses into his damp hair, simply for the pleasure of inhaling his scent and feeling his soft curls against his cheek. This was worth the wait, Remus said, tracing his fingers down Sirius's right arm and grabbing his wrist, lifting his knuckles up to inspect them. How's your hand feeling? A little sore, but not terrible, Sirius said. Nothing a little morning and afternoon fucking couldn't fix. I still can't believe you punched him, Remus said. He ran a thumb gently over the now yellowing bruise and mostly healed cut where the three dark stitches still stood out against Sirius's skin. I'd do it again in a second, Sirius said, looking down at where Remus was touching and feeling a little spark of anger flare up again. If you could have heard him. I did hear him, Remus sighed quietly. It was so humiliating. I had no idea that he felt that way about me. He always talked about me and treated me like I was some kind of prize. He called me his trophy and his arm candy, and I just thought he was being, I don't know, his weird self. But now, he just wanted me because I looked good next to him. It's so confusing and hurtful. It's like everything about him was fake. He didn't even like the real me. And I never thought I looked good at all. I'm covered in scars and my face is crooked and my teeth are crooked, and he probably just wanted me because he looked better in comparison, and... Hey, Sirius said, putting a silencing hand to Remus's cheek and shaking his head. He was wrong about everything. But he was right about that. You're beautiful, Remus. I don't know how you can't see it. Remus tensed, protesting with his body in a way that made Sirius suspect he didn't even realize he was doing it. No, listen to me, you are, Sirius said. He pulled him back with a kiss, and Remus relaxed again at his touch. But it doesn't matter. When I fall in love with you, because I will fall in love with you, I am falling in love with you, it won't be because of that. It'll be because of you. Just you. Okay. Okay, Remus nodded, and Sirius drew him into a hug. Remus nestled his head onto Sirius's shoulder and settled there sleepily, but Sirius pulled away, feeling himself about to drift off, too, and having the wherewithal to set an alarm on his phone so they wouldn't miss school pickup. He dropped his phone onto the bedside table, happily sank back into Remus's arms, and they both fell asleep. Sirius woke up an hour later to Suffragette City blaring from his phone and a sweet kiss on his cheek. Hey, Remus said softly, placing a hand on Sirius's lower back and rubbing gently. We've gotta go pick up the kids. Have to drive, Sirius said into the pillow, but Remus only seemed to hear a muffled groan. What? he asked, and Sirius rolled his head weakly to the side and slowly opened one eye to blearily look at Remus who was leaning over him with a confused expression. We have to drive. It's three blocks. Can't.
Come on, you've already showered, you can do it. Remus, you don't understand. My sleeping body knows something my waking body didn't. You fucked me into jelly. My legs are not functioning. I cannot hobble to the school to pick up Harry on his first day. Everyone will know I've been fucked catatonic. And they'll all point at Harry and say. Oh look, there goes that kid whose godfather got railed until he was a stumbling, drooling mess. Do you want that for him? Are you finished? Yes. We can drive. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, and Remus? Hmm. Tonight is payback. Chapter 10, Puppy Love Serious, Saturday Afternoon I can't believe you've never been camping, Remus said. Sirius and Remus stood in front of a massive display of tents inside Camping World trying to find a tent big enough for the two of them, Harry, Teddy, and the dogs, which had grown a lot in two months. The boys' October half-term was next week, and Teddy's wish to go camping together like Peppa Pig's family was about to come true. At first, Sirius insisted on buying a camper van like Peppa's, but Remus said a tent would be fine, and besides, Sirius's first camping experience should be authentic. I have been camping. Sirius protested as he leaned against their shopping cart which overflowed with sleeping bags, a cookstove, lanterns, torches, citronella candles, air mattresses, and anything else he deemed outdoorsy. A luxury safari in Kenya doesn't count. But the tents had canvas. They also had electricity in a butler, Remus snorted. Your parents are why peasants revolt, you know. Believe me, I know, Sirius said darkly. All right, I suppose it wasn't exactly roughing it. But we did build a campfire. Wait, you built a campfire? Okay, someone built a campfire, Sirius conceded. Anyway, get off your high horse. You lived in London for fifteen years. How much camping have you really done? Hagen, gladeth we, Remus shrugged. In English, please, babe, unless you want to get a proper shagging right here in the tent aisle, Sirius said, slapping Remus on the arse. I said. I'm a country boy, Remus replied, slapping him back. And I am. I was a scout and everything. Bollocks, you grew up in Cardiff, Sirius laughed, wrapping his arms around Remus's waist and pulling him close. He dropped his voice and leaned down next to Remus's ear. Will you speak Welsh again tonight? Evishai, Remus answered, then laughed when Sirius started kissing his neck in reply. You shouldn't be kissing me. You have no idea what I'm saying. I could be telling you to go fuck yourself. Yes, you could, and I wouldn't care in the least, Sirius nuzzled into his neck. I hope you're satisfied with the power you have over me. Everything about you satisfies me, Remus sighed. He gave Sirius a quick kiss on the cheek, then straightened up and pointed to a large tent with two rooms. Okay. How about this one? You and I can have a room, and the kids and dogs can have a room. Sirius bent over to look at the photo on the side of the tent box and frowned. I can't believe we're going to be sleeping on the ground for four nights, he said. 
are you sure we can't just buy a camper van? I saw one online that has a king-sized bed, a full shower, a kitchen, and bunk beds. Remus just gave him a look, and serious sighed, pulled the tent off the shelf, and balanced it on top of the overflowing cart. Remus kissed him on the cheek again and gave him his signature innocent smile, which no longer fooled Sirius one bit. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. You're a menace, Remus Lupin. Do you enjoy having me wrapped around your little finger? Remus laughed again and draped his arms around Sirius's neck, gazing up at him with those eyes that just unstitched Sirius all over. I enjoy it very much, Remus said, leaning up to kiss him contentedly. And something tells me you do, too. You got me there, Sirius admitted, kissing him back. Sirius smiled, three words hanging on the tip of his tongue. Three words they hadn't said yet but that he'd been feeling since the very beginning. Remus, Saturday Evening Saturday night not only meant the start of half-term for Teddy and Harry but also their weekly family movie night, a new tradition that started the day after they met and hadn't stopped since. This week was Hotel Transylvania in honor of Halloween. They all piled onto the couch in Sirius's basement rec room, and even though the couch was huge and had plenty of space for them all to spread out, they wound up crammed into a single corner, cuddled up under blankets. Remus and Sirius were wound together, with Sirius's arm over Remus's shoulders and both kids draped across their legs. Remus didn't think he'd ever been so content in his whole life, even after Teddy dug his sharp little elbow into his thigh as he clambered higher onto them on the couch. Ah, careful, buddy. Remus said, wincing a little, but Teddy just kept squirming, trying to get comfortable, and kicking Sirius in the shin accidentally in the process. Excuse me, mister. Sirius said with a laugh. He sat up, wrapped his arms around Teddy, and tickled him, making him flail even more. Teddy dissolved into giggles, but when he finally settled down it wasn't on top of Remus. It was on Sirius, with his head resting on his chest and one little arm flung around his waist. Remus looked over at them, just as Sirius gently placed a hand across Teddy's back and pressed a kiss to the top of his head. Don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, Remus willed himself, but it was no use, and before he could stop it, a silent tear had fallen onto his cheek. He closed his eyes and felt Sirius swipe the tear away and kiss where it had been, and Remus settled his head onto Sirius's shoulder, feeling three little words bubble up in his heart. He tucked them away, took Sirius's hand in his, and continued watching the movie. Sirius, Saturday Night Saturday nights were wonderful, perfect, magical, and Sirius loved everything about them, but his favorite part was undoubtedly the quiet game. Remus, Sirius had discovered, was not only a cocky power top, but also a loud, exuberant bottom who had trouble staying quiet, even when their boys were sleeping down the hall when they all stayed over. Because of this, Sirius enjoyed seeing how far he could push Remus when he was trying his best not to yell. Tonight started off slow and sweet. Remus was feeling emotional after seeing Teddy cuddled up with Sirius on the couch, and those feelings showed in the lovely, languid way he kissed Sirius in bed, in the way he tenderly cupped his jaw, and how he gently held his hand. But Sirius was not in the mood to be gentle. 
He'd been fantasizing about sliding his hands under Remus's arse, lifting his hips into the air, and slamming into him ever since Remus started speaking Welsh in the camping world tent aisle. And so Sirius purposely did all the things he knew drove Remus especially crazy. He latched onto the spot on the back of his neck just below his left ear, biting and sucking. He traced his fingertips along the edge of his boxers and over his stomach, barely grazing the skin. He pulled Remus's middle and index fingers into his mouth and sucked and bit down, right above the knuckles, hard enough to leave a bruise tomorrow, while he swirled his tongue around and between them. He was maddeningly slow about it all, too, taking his sweet-ass time, until Remus was writhing and begging underneath him. Then Sirius moved downward, took just the head of Remus's cock into his mouth, and started to work him open with one, then two, then three slick fingers, holding Remus's hips down with his other hand when they tried to buck further into his mouth. Oh my god Sirius, Remus cried out, sounding nearly in pain, but Sirius just lifted his head and shushed him. I thought I told you to be quiet, Sirius warned in a low voice before continuing his teasing. A few minutes later he sat up, knelt between Remus's legs, and traced down his inner thighs as he gently pressed the head of his own cock against Remus's entrance. You have to stay quiet, Remus, Sirius said calmly, moving his hips in slow circles. Do you think you can do that for me? I don't know, Remus panted, his eyes squeezed shut, and Sirius pulled away. Remus's eyes flew open, and he reached up desperately, pulling Sirius's hips back toward him. No, please, I can, he begged. You better, Sirius said, and pushed all the way into him with one, long, hard thrust, making Remus throw his head back and cry out. Sirius smirked and pulled out completely. Oh, too bad, Sirius said. You can't follow directions. I can. Let me try again. This time Remus bit into the edge of the pillow as Sirius thrust into him again, arching his back and whining in his throat, but staying quiet enough to appease Sirius. Sirius gave him a few seconds to adjust to the stretch, but Remus was needy and eager. He wrapped his fingers around Sirius's arse cheeks and pulled hard, drawing a gasp from both of them. Sirius started moving faster, but intentionally missed Remus's prostate, which made Remus writhe and bear down even more, digging his fingers into Sirius's muscles so hard that Sirius knew he'd have marks in the morning. Finally, Sirius did what he'd been thinking about all day, and slid his hand under Remus's arse and lifted his hips, giving him the perfect angle to hit. Oh fuck! Remus yelled, and Sirius stopped moving abruptly, which was almost as painful for him as it was for Remus, who nearly growled in frustration. I thought I told you to be quiet, Sirius said coolly. Remus couldn't respond in English and instead let out a stream of guttural, incoherent Welsh. Sirius's dick twitched and he had to squeeze his own eyes shut not to release into Remus right then and there. Oh fuck it, Sirius said, slamming into Remus with everything he had and wrapping a hand around Remus's stiff and eager cock. Remus cried out with abandon, the quiet game forgotten, and it only took a few purposeful thrusts before Remus was spilling thick ribbons of cum all over his own stomach and onto Sirius's fist. Remus's orgasm tightened and pulsed around Sirius, who tipped his head back and came hard, filling Remus a few seconds later. They both stilled, 
and Sirius lowered his sweaty chest on top of Remus, who whined a little as Sirius pulled out, a dribble of his cum following his softening cock. Sirius rolled off him and was just catching his breath before going to the bathroom, when Remus turned his head to look at him. I win, Remus whispered, a deviously sleepy half-smile on his face. Again. Sirius, Saturday around midnight. An hour or so later, Remus and Sirius woke with a start. Did you hear something? Remus asked in a raspy middle-of-the-night voice and propped himself up on his elbows. I thought I did. Sirius trailed off, listening hard, as his eyes adjusted to the dark, but the house was quiet and still. They lay in silence for a few more moments and didn't hear anything. I'll go check, Remus said, starting to get up, but Sirius put a hand on his arm and flung the covers off himself instead. I'll check, I need the bathroom anyway, he said. He dropped a kiss onto Remus's forehead and left the room. He went to the bathroom, did a quick walkthrough of the house, and found nothing amiss, so he headed back to bed. But when he got there, he found that Remus wasn't alone. Harry was in tears, curled into a little ball in Remus's arms. Do you want to tell me about it? Remus asked him quietly, running his hand up and down Harry's back just like he always did with Teddy. No, Harry sniffled into his shoulder. Okay. But sometimes talking about it makes it less scary. Harry sniffled again, cuddled in closer, and started talking into Remus's armpit. There was a monster with one eye, and he was chasing Ziggy, Harry's muffled voice said. And he had long claws and big teeth and he was just about to grab him when I woke up. Wow, that is scary, Remus said softly, hugging Harry close. Why don't we go check on Ziggy, and you can see for yourself that it was just a bad dream. Would you like to do that? Yeah, Harry said weakly, lifting his head and slipping a hand into Remus's as they scooted off the bed together. He looked at Sirius very solemnly. Patty, me and Remus are going to go check on Ziggy. We'll be right back. Okay, Sirius nodded, and watched them leave the room and walk down the dark hallway together. When they came back, Harry looked relieved, but hesitated before going back into his bedroom. Can I sleep with you tonight? Harry asked. He looked between Remus and Sirius with wide eyes. Harry, Sirius said. Don't you think Teddy will wake up in the morning and wonder where you are? Seeing the bottom bunk empty might be confusing. But I want to sleep with you, too, another voice chimed in. They all turned to see Teddy standing in the dark hallway in his Peppa Pig pajamas, with his favorite stuffed wolf dangling from his hand. Remus just shrugged and Sirius relented. All right, everybody in, he sighed, and the boys ran into the bedroom and scrambled into the very middle of Sirius's bed. Remus and Sirius lay on either side of them and looked at each other over Harry and Teddy's heads. Remus just smiled sleepily and kissed both boys' foreheads, then kissed his own fingertips and pressed them to Sirius's lips. Sirius gently kissed them back, Remus closed his eyes, and soon, Sirius was the only one awake, watching these three precious souls sleep, safe together under the covers. I love you, Remus Lupin, Sirius thought for the millionth time, closed his own eyes, and drifted off with them. Remus, 
Sunday morning. Okay, who wants what? Remus asked. We've got banana, plain, blueberry, and chocolate chip. He was standing barefoot in Sirius's kitchen in his pajamas the next morning while Harry and Teddy sat at the breakfast bar across from him, eagerly waiting for pancakes in front of empty plates. Chocolate chip. Harry and Teddy both cried. I should have guessed, Remus laughed, and stirred a big handful of chocolate chips into the pancake batter. Smells good, Sirius said, coming up behind Remus and wrapping his arms around his waist as Remus poured the batter onto a hot buttered griddle. Where did you learn how to make pancakes like this? I love American pancakes. My cousin Alice lives in Boston, Remus said. I spent a summer there with her when I was in college. And I brought this from home. He reached across the counter and held up a bottle of Vermont maple syrup. Alice created an addict, Remus said. She sends it to me all the time. Yum. Thick and sweet, just how I like it, Sirius said in an undertone, covertly kissing Remus's neck while the kids weren't looking. And a little sticky at the end. Remus whispered back, and Sirius let out a laugh, spun him around so they were facing each other, and wrapped him in a hug. God, did I invent you? Sirius asked, amazed, his eyes flicking between each of Remus's. He leaned back to look into Remus's face with one arm wrapped around his waist and pushed his hair off his forehead as though trying to soak up every bit of him. It had been two months, and Sirius still looked at him this way every day, as though he couldn't quite believe Remus was real. He said as much all the time, too. How are you real? You look like a painting. It's like you jumped out of my imagination. You're everything I've ever dreamed of. Remus tried to feel frightened by this. He tried to worry about it. He tried to make himself wonder when Sirius's feelings would wear off and what would happen when they did. Sirius was amazing. Remarkable. Beautiful, brilliant, generous, and he thought that Remus was all of those things, too, as impossible as that seemed. He'd even given him a sweet little nickname, Mooney, because of his tattoo. Remus tried to tell himself that there was no way Sirius could go on like this, that one day he would realize that Remus was just a regular person who wasn't special in any way. But he couldn't quite muster the feelings of worry or fear. Even though they should have been there, they weren't. Instead, every single day, he felt his self-doubt crumbling a little bit more. Under Sirius's gaze, inside his kisses, with his hand in his, seeing smiles that were reserved only for him, Remus started to feel a little inkling of something new, a little bit of glittering light that he'd never seen inside himself before. Maybe, just maybe, he was starting to feel as beautiful and wonderful as Sirius told him he was. Or maybe he was just in love. Sirius, Sunday evening. I know we're forgetting something, Sirius said, his hands on his hips, surveying the bags and boxes that sat by the front door, ready to be loaded into the boot of Remus's car the next morning. We didn't forget anything, Pads, Remus reassured him. And even if we did, we're going to the lakes, not Siberia. They have supermarkets and shops there, believe it or not. I guess, Sirius said. Come on, let's go to bed, Remus said, pulling on Sirius's hand. We should get an early start in the morning.
They went upstairs but couldn't bring themselves to go to sleep right away, no matter how early they needed to wake up. Their hands and mouths roved, slow, sweet, and tender, and when they finished, Remus curled into Sirius and fell asleep. Sirius was just drifting off when Remus jerked awake, sitting up in bed and gasping. Sirius sat up, too, putting a steadying hand on Remus's arm. You okay? he asked. Oh, Sirius, I'm so sorry to wake you up, but I forgot to ask you something, Remus said. It's really important. Remus turned his whole body toward him, and Sirius could just make out his worried frown in the dark. I wanted to ask you now since we're going camping tomorrow. And you can absolutely say no if it's not something you're comfortable with, Remus continued. I won't have my feelings hurt or anything, I promise. Because it's a really big ask, and I know that. What is it, honey? Sirius asked, and Remus took a deep breath. Can I teach you how to use Teddy's EpiPen? Sirius's face broke into a relieved smile. It's not a big ask, he said, shaking his head. And I already know how to use it. James had one, and I had to use it on him once. You did? Remus asked wide-eyed. That must have been terrifying. Yeah, it was, Sirius agreed. But you don't really have time to think about that until it's over. In the moment you just do it. I've never had to use Teddy's, Remus said quietly. I'm so afraid of what will happen if I ever do. What if I freeze up? What if I forget everything and just panic? You won't, Sirius said, pulling Remus into his arms. We'll give each other a refresher in the morning, okay? Okay, Remus whispered. Thank you. They laid back down together and didn't say anything for a long time. Instead, Sirius listened to the steady sound of Remus's breathing, felt his heartbeat against the side of his ribs. Then Remus spoke again, quietly, and into the darkness. Why did he need it? James? Sirius didn't answer right away. Be stings, he said finally, trying to keep his voice light. Just like. Yeah. Remus started to cry and so did Sirius, and they held each other tightly. Thoughts of love and fear and relief and a profound, sad, pointless wish that James and Remus could have known each other swirled through Sirius's mind until he fell asleep. Remus, Monday morning. Last chance for the toilet, Remus told Harry and Teddy as they stood by the door, each with a backpack, pillow, and rolled-up sleeping bag at their feet. It's a long journey. I just peed, Daddy. Teddy proclaimed, pointing to the clock. When the big hand was on the ten. That was fifteen minutes ago, and Remus nodded. Okay, he said. What about you, Harry? I don't have to go, Harry said. When was the last time you went? When I woke up. Harry, that was three and a half hours ago. Go try again. I don't have any pee in me. You have a little. Go squeeze it out, please. Fine, Harry sighed, and set off down the hall. Well, the car's all packed, Sirius said, coming in from the driveway. Did you remember to leave the bag with the snacks in the front seat? Remus asked. Of course. 
And did you pull out the boys' sweatshirts and put them on top in the boot? It might get chilly the further north we go. I did. And did you? Mooney, I did everything on your list and some things that weren't on your list, like getting petrol last night and printing out road trip bingo cards. You did? Yes. Sirius laughed. It might be my first time camping, but it's not my first time driving somewhere. All right, I'm sorry. I'll stop asking. A few minutes later, they were pulling out of the driveway and setting off. Did you pack the tent? Remus asked. Shit. Sirius, Monday afternoon. This is not fair, Sirius thought. Remus looked so hot, impossibly hot, mouth-wateringly, joint-achingly, heart-stoppingly hot, as he set up the tent, bending over in his worn-out jeans that slung low over his hips, stomping around in his beat-up work boots, pounding the plastic tent stakes into the ground with a heavy-headed mallet, his forearms and biceps flexing with every swing. Remus put up the tent quickly and easily, without breaking a sweat and without reading the instructions, like he was just born knowing how to do things. Which was doing things to Sirius. Remus was now making his way around the tent, giving each stake a final pounding. He looked up, saw Sirius watching him, and grinned. Thought you were going to help, Remus said. So far you haven't moved. You seem like you have it under control. Remus looked Sirius up and down and his grin widened. Cocky bastard. Sirius was losing the thread of the afternoon. Remus just shook his head and laughed under his breath as he kept pounding the stakes. Sirius, Monday night. The boys had been tucked into their sleeping bags for hours as the last of the campfire died away. It was nearly pitch black, and Sirius knelt between Remus's legs, hungry for this moment at last, working him carefully, devotedly. Remus bit down on his knuckle to keep from crying out as Sirius swallowed him down, and a moment later, Sirius sat back on his heels, wiping his mouth with the back of his hand. Been waiting all day for that, Mooney. Remus, Tuesday morning. Remus woke up alone as watery sunlight filtered through the thin tent walls. His nose was cold, and he snuggled deeper into the heavy sleeping bag as he let himself slowly wake up. He could hear the crackling fire and quiet voices outside the tent and smell coffee and sausages along with that sharp, distinctive frosty scent of early mornings in autumn. He dug through his duffel bag for heavy socks, a wool jumper, and his toothbrush and toothpaste, then pulled his work boots back on and unzipped the tent. Sirius, Teddy, and Harry were sitting in camp chairs around the fire, with the dogs laying at each of the boys' feet. They all looked up as Remus stepped out of the tent. Daddy. Teddy said, jumping up to wrap his arms around Remus's middle. Morning, sunshine, Sirius said brightly, standing up to give Remus a quick kiss on the cheek. Morning, Remus said groggily, running a hand over his face and hugging Teddy back with one arm. How were they all so chipper? He raised the toothbrush and toothpaste into the air. Gonna go. He said, nodding and pointing to a nearby bush. He leaned down to kiss the top of Teddy's head, grabbed a bottle of water from the cooler, and shuffled away to brush his teeth. When he came back, 
Sirius was waiting for him with a cup of strong, black coffee. Thank you, Remus yawned. You're welcome, baby, Sirius said and waited patiently until Remus was a few sips into his coffee to speak again. Welcome to the land of the living, Sirius said finally. How Sirius could divine the exact moment when enough caffeine was sluicing through Remus's veins for him to have a conversation, Remus would never know. Glad to be here, Remus said, and he really was. Now that he was properly caffeinated, he looked around. The landscape was stunning, with fiery-hued leaves rolling and cascading over the hills that dipped dramatically down into a sparkling, crystalline lake as early morning sunlight filtered through the glittery mist that rose over the trees. But there was also Sirius, who rivaled the otherworldly beauty of this valley. Remus still felt like he was dreaming every time he looked at him. He looked like a movie star, and his heart was kinder than anyone else's in the world. You boys want to hike today? Remus asked, and Harry and Teddy cheered their assent. They both looked so sweet bundled into the matching wool jumpers that Hope had knitted for them as they munched on sausages that they'd roasted themselves on sticks over the fire. Breakfast? Sirius asked, tending two pans on the iron grate filled with sizzling sausages and fluffy scrambled eggs. Yes, please, Remus said, accepting a plate gratefully and taking a bite. How long have you, oh my god this is good, been up? Sirius looked at his watch. Couple hours. Watched the sunrise, actually, it was beautiful, Sirius said. I tried to wake you up but. You bit Patty, Harry said through a mouthful of sausage. I did. Remus felt horrified but Sirius only laughed. I said he bit my head off, Sirius told Harry. He didn't actually bite me. It's just a saying. Sirius looked back at Remus. Although I did think you were going to take a swing at me if I didn't leave you alone, Sirius said before adding, warningly. You're getting up with me tomorrow whether you like it or not. Look at you, appreciating nature, Remus said. There's something about this place, Sirius said, sitting back in his camp chair and gazing out over the valley. I feel so relaxed here. I don't think I've ever slept that well in my whole life. I woke up feeling incredibly energized. Wow, maybe you're the country boy, Remus mused. Dosi fu kyu dehin a kant, Sirius said, and Remus nearly spit out his coffee. Where did you learn that? Remus sputtered. Google. Well, same to you, then. Sirius, Tuesday afternoon and evening. All right, Pronslet, hop up. Sirius crouched down on the wooded trail and Harry jumped onto his back, wrapping his arms around Sirius's neck and hitching his legs around his waist. Sirius stood up, grabbed Harry's knees and Ziggy's lead, adjusted Harry until he was in a moderately comfortable position, then spun around to look at Remus, who was already piggybacking Teddy. Ready? Sirius asked. Yup, Remus replied, and they set off down the trail again. They'd been hiking all day, following the trail around the lake, exploring the little crags and inlets that twisted and snaked around its shore, and stopping for a picnic lunch on a rocky outcropping while the dogs played and splashed in the water. Harry and Teddy were in heaven, and it was all thanks to Remus, who turned a daytime hike into an epic quest. 
He taught the boys how to find hibernating salamanders by rolling a rotting log, which they liked to sleep under, onto its other side, and warned them not to touch their sensitive skin unless their hands were covered in dirt. He pointed out osprey kestrels swooping over the water, and otter tracks dotting the muddy banksides. He spoke in hushed tones about the other creatures of these woods, too, the ones of ancient folklore, of wee folk, fairies, and changelings, the jytrash, the ghostly dog with the glowing red eyes, the bowgarts of the marshes, the murderous redcaps and mischievous hobgoblins. The boys were wide-eyed and rapt, and so was Sirius, who thought he could listen to Professor Lupin's spin tales of the forest all day long. By late afternoon, Harry and Teddy were exhausted, necessitating the piggyback rides back to their campsite, and when they arrived, the boys collapsed into camp chairs with the dogs at their feet while Remus rebuilt the fire. That night, after the sun sank below the trees and disappeared from view, they cuddled onto a blanket on their backs, and Remus wove stories of the night sky, of Perseus, slayer of Medusa, who rode his winged horse, Pegasus, to rescue Andromeda from the sea monster, Cetus. He told of Andromeda's mother, Cassiopeia, and her fatal vanity that left her banished to the heavens throughout eternity, and Draco, the fierce and vicious dragon that was killed by Athena and flung amongst the stars and planets. Soon, the boys had fallen asleep, and Sirius kissed Remus under the stars, long and slow, hoping to convey with that kiss everything that words were inadequate for. Remus, Wednesday Evening Harry and Teddy were both crying. The dogs were barking. Everyone was soaking wet. They didn't mean to tip their canoes and fall out, they really didn't. But the boys and dogs were in separate canoes, Teddy and Bowie with Remus, Harry and Ziggy with Sirius, which was probably their first mistake. Their second mistake was packing the boys the wrong lunches, Teddy had asked for peanut butter and jelly, while Harry had asked for salami and cheese, and they both got the others. Remus and Sirius paddled up next to each other so the boys could reach across the water and trade sandwiches when Bowie spotted a duck and started running in excited circles in the boat. He put his paws up on the side of the canoe and propped himself onto his hind legs, barking madly at the bird, which floated serenely a few feet away on the glassy lake surface. Ziggy caught onto the excitement, and soon both dogs were driving themselves wild over the indifferent duck. Within seconds, though, the duck apparently grew tired of the madness and flew away in a flutter of wings and splashing water. But its escape didn't calm the dogs. Instead, Ziggy and Bowie both lunged for it as it took off into the sky, just as Harry and Teddy were reaching toward each other to trade sandwiches, and within seconds, both boats had capsized and everyone, dogs, kids, and dads, were in the water. Teddy and Harry laughed as they bobbed in their life vests in the frigid lake. Remus and Sirius righted the boats, popped the boys and dogs back into them, handed the boys the paddles, and let their sopping wet sandwiches float away in defeat. Luckily, they were close enough to the shore that they could swim the boats back, each with a hand on the edge of their canoe, while the boys paddled, and the dogs barked wildly. Harry and Teddy agreed that this was the best part of the camping trip so far while Sirius and Remus exchanged tired looks as they swam next to each other with one arm. By the time they arrived back at the rocky shore and dragged their canoes up to the landing site, though, the novelty of having fallen in the lake had worn off. 
The boys were tired and sopping wet and quickly becoming cold, and they still had a half-mile hike back to their campsite from the canoe rental stand. They arrived back whiny, hungry, tired, and shivering, and it didn't take long for both boys to dissolve into tears. They managed to get the kids, and eventually, themselves, into clean dry socks, jumpers, and sweatpants, and towel-dried the dogs. Sirius built a fire while Rima strung up a piece of rope between two trees as a makeshift clothesline. Everything, their trainers, their jeans, their sweatshirts, were sopping wet and smelling of lake water, and they certainly wouldn't be fully dry by the time they left on Friday morning. None of them could shake the chill that had invaded their bones in the lake, and Remus shivered under Sirius's arm by the fire later that night while they each cuddled their sons on their laps. Luckily, Sirius had the forethought to pack extra blankets, and when they put the boys to bed it was under heavy quilts piled on top of their sleeping bags. Ugh, I can't get warm, Remus said later, burrowing into their big double sleeping bag and pushing his cold feet under Sirius's legs. Sirius wrapped his arms around him, pulled him in close, and started sucking the tender spot on the back of Remus's neck. I'll warm you up. Harry, Thursday. Harry couldn't decide. Did he really want a snake painted on his face? What are you getting? he asked Teddy, who stood next to him in line, holding a huge bag of candy floss, while he considered the face painting options on the poster. Teddy reached out and touched a silhouette of a howling wolf against a full moon. That one, Teddy said. I think Wolfie would like it. Harry considered this. He had brought Hedwig, his stuffed owl that he couldn't sleep without, on the camping trip, and wondered if he, too, should get a face painting in honor of his best pal. But he really, really wanted that snake. It looked so cool. I think I'm gonna get the snake, Harry said. It's scary, Teddy said admiringly. Yeah, Harry replied. It'll be good for scaring away Bowgarts and Hobgoblins later. That's true, Teddy said. Afterwards, Harry's face felt stiff and strange, but he knew he looked wonderfully scary. People told him so as he walked through the carnival with Teddy, whose wolf was impressive, too. He and his little brother really could take care of themselves. Teddy, Thursday night. After dinner, Teddy and Sirius went to pee in the woods but when they came back to the fire, Teddy saw something that made him mad. Harry was sitting on his daddy's lap. That was Teddy's lap to sit on, what did Harry think he was doing? He marched up to them and put his hands on his hips. Get up, Teddy demanded. No. Harry said. That's my daddy. You said he could be my daddy, too. Well, he's mine right now, get up. Who wants to roast marshmallows? Sirius said, standing a few feet away. Me. Teddy and Harry both shouted. Okay, we need to go look for sticks, come on, Sirius said, and they followed him to the edge of the woods, all arguing over who got to sit on Daddy's lap forgotten. Sirius, Friday morning. Sirius opened his eyes and breathed in deeply. The air in the tent was crisp and cold, but he and Remus were snugly warm in their big sleeping bag. Remus looked beautiful all the time, when he was laughing, when he was arching a sarcastic eyebrow, 
when happy tears leaked out of his eyes, but he looked positively angelic when he slept. Sirius touched Remus's honey-brown curls gently, winding an especially messy one around his finger and stroking the silky strands under his thumb. How did he get so lucky, he wondered, to find a beautiful man to fall so deeply in love with. He would tell Remus today, he decided. His heart pounded wildly at the prospect of saying it out loud, of telling Remus that he loved him. Would Remus be surprised? Scared? Would he think of all the cons about Sirius, impulsive, forgetful, broody in bad weather, prone to aristocratic arrogance, even after years of trying to break himself of it, on the pro-con list Remus was undoubtedly making about him? Would Remus say it back? Sirius hoped he would say it back, but it wouldn't matter if he did. It wouldn't change how Sirius felt about him or the fact that he wanted Remus to know. He thought about it all day, when he was making Remus his strong black coffee, when they were washing dishes under the cold spigot water, when they were breaking down the tent and packing up their bags, when they were taking the dogs for one last walk so they could pee before the long car journey home. I had one more thing I wanted to do, Remus said before they left. Can we take a family picture? Yeah, great idea, Sirius said. He had brought one of his smaller cameras and a tripod, just in case, and retrieved them from his bag. I brought something for us to wear, Remus said with a small smile, handing out shirts to Sirius, Harry, and Teddy, and keeping one for himself. Sirius unfolded his and burst out laughing. They were the black and pink live, laugh, love shirts that Sirius had made for them, along with two smaller ones for the boys. I called Marlene and asked her to make ones for Harry and Teddy, too, Remus said, and Sirius pulled him into a laughing kiss. When they'd all changed into their matching shirts and the camera was set up, Sirius set the self-timer, and all six of them, Remus, Sirius, Harry, Teddy, Bowie, and Ziggy, hurried to stand at the edge of the campsite overlooking the leafy valley. They all crowded together and put their arms around each other, smiling cheesy, happy smiles as the camera clicked away. Remus wrapped his arms around Sirius's waist, kissed him, and gazed up into his eyes. I love you so much, Sirius, he sighed happily. Sirius kissed him back and put a hand to his cheek, relief and warmth flooding his chest. Suddenly those three words seemed not enough, not big enough, not strong enough. But he said them anyway and they felt sweet and perfect on his lips. Oh, my Mooney, he said. I love you, too. Welsh translations, if these aren't right, blame Google Translate and if the pronunciation is terrible blame Microsoft read aloud. Hagen, glad eth we. I'm a country boy. Evishai, maybe. Dosi fu kyu dehin a kant. Go fuck yourself, you cunt. Chapter 11, Epilogue, Adopted The presents had been opened, the crackers pulled, the paper crowns donned, the roast carved, and Granny Hope's pudding set aflame. It had been a wonderful Christmas, made even better by it being the first since Remus and Sirius had gotten married in October. Everyone was sleepy and full, and that evening, Remus and Sirius curled onto the couch together under a quilt, 
while Harry and Teddy sprawled on the floor in their pajamas in front of the fire playing with their new toys next to the dogs, who were no longer puppies, but still acted it sometimes with the way they jumped onto the boys' laps when they were excited. Remus sighed contentedly and rested his head on Sirius's shoulder, joining hands under the quilt, and still feeling a happy little thrill when he touched the thin band of metal on his new husband's finger. Harry and Teddy's faces glowed in the soft light of the Christmas tree and flickering hearth, and Remus could feel the vibrations in Sirius's chest as he hummed quietly to the Christmas record that was spinning on the turntable. They both had been waiting all day for this moment, for this tiny little space of calm and quiet to give Teddy and Harry their very last present of the day. They just had to wait for one of them to notice. Harry sat up to sip his hot chocolate when finally. Hey, what's that? he said, pointing to two more cards tucked into the branches of the Christmas tree. One said Harry and the other said Teddy. Sirius squeezed Remus's hand and sat up a little straighter, not wanting to give away his excitement too much. Why don't you open them? Sirius said, putting his arm around Remus's shoulders and pulling him close as they watched. Harry handed Teddy his card, and the boys ripped open the red envelopes. Harry opened the Christmas card inside and read out loud. You are hereby invited to adoption day. Harry James Potter, can I please be your daddy? Love, Remus. Listen to mine. Teddy said as he read excitedly from his own card. Edward Remus Lupin, can I please be your patty? Love, Sirius. Harry and Teddy looked up at their fathers with wide eyes. Remus put out his arms and Harry came running into them, burying his face in his shoulder. When he looked up, Teddy was in Sirius's lap with his arms around his waist. Well, is that a yes? Sirius asked, pushing the hair out of Teddy's eyes, and giving him a kiss on the forehead. Yes please. Teddy said, hugging Sirius tighter. Yes, yes, yes. Harry shouted and climbed onto Remus, too. Ziggy and Bowie must have felt the excitement in the room because soon they were bounding onto the couch, too, jumping on their laps and barking happily. Thank you for loving me, Remus said, kissing Sirius through happy tears. And Teddy. As though I had a choice in the matter, Sirius said, wiping away his tears and kissing him back. I'll love you both forever. And we'll love you and Harry forever. Happy Christmas, Pads. Happy Christmas, Mooney. The End